0: To me, LeBron James's legacy is cemented. Yep. Every victory adds to it. Of course he wants to catch Jordan. LeBron, whether he gets there or not, I just I don't think any of that is defined by a playoff series and a pandemic year in two thousand and twenty one. I don't
1: Nirowski. He's so famous, I got his name right, because I'm really bad when the syllables go over like two or three. I struggle. When we get into the four, uh, even sometimes in the ones, you said Bill Simmons has trouble <laughs> <pronounce>, <laughs> pronunciating, the, he has trouble with the pronunciation of uh, of whom?
2: Uh, everyone. Simmons can't pronounce names, and then, so I will, I will text Ryan He's and like, say... Man. Dude, get a hold of your boy. He's not able to say names, and there's one in particular, Mal- Malik Monk, down there in Charlotte. <laughs> monk is a word. You should know how to say no, monk.
1: No monk. They wear the the baggy uh, brown uh, bathrobes and they shave their heads.
2: And Simmons, God love him, says monk. Malik Monk.
1: Just like the monks, it's just like the Spanish monks.
2: And so Ryan spoke to me today through the Bill Simmons podcast. And uh, I appreciated that very much.
1: The point is Adrian Wojnarowski is coming on our
2: podcast. Woj, Woj bomb.
1: We're huge fans of Woj. And when I reached out to him yesterday, because we didn't have a guest, it's like par for the course on, on Mondays. Well,
2: I mean, what do you want this? Booked out weeks in advance? <laughs> no,
1: I don't. Okay. I like to be able to adjust mid-flight. And the flight... Dictated that we have a killer NBA guest on, and so uh, we are taking flight, so to speak, with Woj today. He's, We're not going to drop any bombs.
2: He's not just—you don't know that. Remember, we don't know that.
1: Yeah, with the whole like
2: stick yeah, around with the yeah these uh, these uh, Woj doesn't just broker information, Chris. He analyzes ball. I love the guy. Finger on the pulse of ball. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: the ball is just pulsating.
2: And his fingers on it. He's uh, he's the best. He's the best there is. Grateful, grateful for him.
1: So he's going to drop a little, a little knowledge on us in a few. You want to say hello to the people out there, Bangor, Maine. Hello, uh, Bangor, Maine. Straddling uh, the Penobscot River, straddles it. Just stands right over it. That
2: river just stares up at
1: Bangor's balls.
2: Tis, yeah. Oh, God. To say that I signed a contract, by the way. Were hey. You, were you
1: going to? Well, no. I like to respect your process to break your own news. We should have had Woj break your Damn. fucking news, dude. Okay. We're idiots. Yeah, Macon signed.
2: Yeah. Thanks. It's great.
1: <laughs> we were going to do a whole high school hat thing and we can still do it. We'll do it another day. We'll
2: do a, we'll do a, we'll do a thing. Um, boy, did I struggle. Boy, was it a bumpy bumpy ride deciding between Bangor and Bangor, Maine. Should have called Bill Simmons. Yeah, that's right. Uh, it seems as though the people of Bangor can even struggle with it. I went to a Maine source who said Bangor.
1: Hold on a second. Oh. I got a source for you. One of the only people I know from like New England proper. Okay.
2: I'm Ryan. on the record though. I'm rolling with Bangor. Ryan Rossillo Okay. Call, call his ass. Hey, Greenlight Pod, I got
1: a quick question. Me and Macon.
2: Is it Bangor Maine or Bangor Maine? Yeah, hard O-R. Hard O-R, second saliva. Bangor.
1: That's great. Would Bill Simmons have gotten that? Not if he was a wing that got like 23 minutes a game. <laughs> Malik Monk baby Yeah, Malik Monk it's Just like the monks Bill Hey uh, thanks for that information Ryan We knew you'd have the right answer
2: Yeah Maine is a real weak spot for me New England wise But I feel good about it So well, good luck
1: Considering good it's luck. geographically 90% of it Maybe brush up
0: You know a lot of people don't know this But a lot of towns in Vermont are named after Connecticut and originally, uh, the people that were bounced from Connecticut went to Southern Vermont.
2: <laughs> okay. To to New All Connecticut. Right.
0: Okay. So a lot of people, I know the Vermont history isn't offered at a lot of universities.
2: Uh, He's on my corner. Being well, weird is my corner. Get Ivy. him off my a corner. I kind
0: of looked at it just as a colder UVA. We were there.
2: That's what we used to We have t shirts to say Public Ivy. And despite <laughs> the loss to the Terps. Mm. you know. I just,
1: oh my God, did you see that NBA news that just dropped? I didn't. You got to go check it out. Okay. See <laughs> Take it easy. So it's Bangor. Megan just sniffed the marker. <laughs> Why did you sniff that
2: Sharpie? Oh, I can answer that. To get high. No, no, no. I'm wearing the shirt that smells bad. Oh, so you're trying to get the smell? Yes. <laughs> Why don't you just get a new shirt? I don't, I don't, yeah, that's a good idea. But this is just like, you know, a new
1: deal, new shirt. Really? Anyways, we were talking about Bangor. Yeah. Hello. But there's been some discrepancy into how to pronounce the name. It's cleared up now.
2: Yeah, Bangor. I think when you want to sound like you're some sort of aficionado on a place, you, you go with uh, an alternate pronunciation, but the folks in Bangor don't care for it when you say Bangor, Maine. It's Bangor, Maine. It's kind of the making of cities. Yeah, I guess so. Making to me, maybe it's the 34 years with it. Seems very obvious. You
1: know what seems obvious to me? There's an O in the word, so just... Sounded out Bangor, Maine. Got some good news for you. Okay. Really good news for you. On my end, oh. uh, I haven't told you. <laughs> Got some
2: great news for you.
1: It's about me. <laughs> I haven't. Well, it's it's relevant to you. I haven't told you this, or maybe you did know this. Maybe you're the person who told me, but I forgot about it over the last month. Um, telephone company called. <laughs> and oh fuck! They're burying the power lines. They're burying the telephone poles. Could be related to yours. I forgot about this. I don't know how I did. I didn't think of it the whole last week as you were lamenting all your, your CenturyLink issue. With
2: my client.
1: Yes. With your client. They're actually burying the the power lines on Redacted Street near my house. Bro. Greatly improving my view shed.
2: Near my house too. near this client's house three, Dominion, the power company is doing right by everyone. They they have come up with the modern day solution. Yeah. CenturyLink, on the other hand, is trying to use the 18th they're, century they're solution. The
1: de- the CenturyLink should go service the characters on Downton Abbey.
2: To the 21st easy, to the 21st century problem of telephone lines that get knocked over by trees. Put them in the earth.
1: CenturyLink is making people chug alcohol before uh, they amputate their limbs. Exactly. They're, they're burning witches at the stake. Yes. They're, you're smoking cigarettes, you're pregnant. What else are they doing? Yeah. They're on bathing. Dominion, it's today's power company.
2: We made a touch of progress and we've um, gotten many more voices to, to join the whatever
1: the hell. And listen, we talked about uh, CenturyLink about five, six days ago. We're not dead yet. No, that's true. So we got to keep talking about this until we get into the assassination zone. Layup line.
2: Flossing
1: Flossing by Mike Jones. Mike Jones. Sort of right. Mike, Mike. Mike, Who? Who? Mike, Mike Jones. Do you remember the famous uh, football player, Mike Jones? How could I forget? I mean, how could we forget? I think I'm thinking of Michael Johnson. No, I'm thinking of Mike Jones. Mike, there was a, you know, the funniest thing was I think there was a Michael Jackson or a Michael Johnson who played for the Browns around the same time. Yeah, Michael Jackson. Fast Michael Jackson. And then there was the Michael Johnson, which was confusing too because there are multiple Michael Johnsons. One being like one of the fastest guys in the world, Mike Jones. Who? Mike Jones. I had to mouth who so you would play along. And by the way, Flossin' is one of my favorite Mike Jones song. Last time you flossed. Uh, man, it's been a couple weeks.
2: Yeah. Okay.
1: Uh, my teeth are crowded. You're on Not an Invisalign. I'm on Invisalign. Yeah. So it's just, uh, under construction. You know, yeah. Hey, this, this on-ramp is going to look a lot better in a year. Just pass it. Don't think of it for the next 34 weeks or whatever. Mm-hmm. Years 52. I'm a little ways into my Invisalign. Um, where your, I was.
2: Your, your nice straight, even teeth are going to look great with that gum disease that you, <laughs> that you're working on. <laughs>
1: haven't had gum disease. Yes, man. Flossing is overrated. Not the song. Okay. Flossing. Um, Fletcher Cox texted me earlier, uh, no context picture of because he knows I like the song Flossin. Uh his serious satellite radio playing said song, so I said, Hey Fletch, that's our layup line today. Dang. Request from Fletcher Cox of sorts. Bangor. Um, we love Mike Jones. The football Mike Jones where I was going is the guy who made the stop on the one yard Just line came to me, in yeah. the Super Bowl. Yep. Um that actually I hate Mike Jones respectfully because he 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 kept my friend. Jeff Fisher from getting a ring. Tennessee Titans. But people in St. Louis who I love, probably love Mike Jones. In fact, I know they love Mike Jones because that was quite literally the tackle. Bob Dylan's birthday is today. Happy birthday, Bob Dylan. He's 80. Octogenarian. He's an octogenarian. By the way, do you hear that they're like dividing up millennials like, uh, into different classifications and we're supposedly the 1980 to 1985, they're called the geriatric millennials. You've taken that word and really run with it, with your just whole vibe. But geriatric <laughs> millennials were the ones that are like the glue of our workplaces, and we drive success for this country. I is what to, I read.
2: I had to break this to you. I was born in the year nineteen eighty-six.
1: Oh, I hate to hear that because you're just a regular millennial. Damn. But your birthday is July 9th. That's right. Yeah, Thanks. Yeah, yeah, it's on my birthday list that I just put together. Thanks, man. You see how things change when I just put it on a list? Yeah, March 28th for you, I yeah, think. Yeah, thanks. I appreciate yeah, that. Committed to memory. But Bob Dylan...
2: May 24th.
1: Yep, it's his birthday today. And also tonight is Kenny Maine's last uh, sports center. Oh, so everybody, I hope you tuned into that. Happy trails. Uh, on to the next one yeah, for our friend bigger Kenny Bigger and Mane. better. Bigger yeah. and better. But Bob Dylan is 80 years old, which means, one, it's real. I'm sure a bunch of people in our parents' generation like... When they see that Bob Dylan turns eighty, is like, golly, time is marching on. I'm not like, I really love Bob Dylan, but I'm not going to sit up here and talk like some Bob Dylan fanatic. But I'll tell you a few songs I like. Okay.
2: Hey, Mr. Tambourine Man. Would that be your favorite song for me? Maybe not.
1: Jeff Garland said, "Tangled Up in Blue." Yeah. Do you remember what I said? I'll
2: go even more chalk, like a Rolling Stone.
1: Like a Rolling Stone's a good one. I'm not as into Tangled Up in Blue. My favorite was Girl from the North Country with Johnny Cash. I had, I worked a little list of five here uh, in no particular order outside of one. Shelter from the Storm is probably two for me. I mean, that's an incredible song. Simple Twist of Fate, uh, You Ain't Going Nowhere. And the funny thing about a lot of his songs are they're great covers. People have been covering these songs for eons. In fact, uh, You Ain't Going Nowhere, I like The birds' rendition of it better. Simple twist of fate, I think Jerry Garcia knocks it out of the park. He's a team player musically. I mean like, you know the great thing about Bob Dylan is people love covering his music and a lot of times you'll hear songs that you didn't even realize were covers All Along the Watchtower. Did you know that's a Bob Dylan song?
2: I did not know that.
1: I'd say probably 75% of people, and the further we get from All Along the Watchtower being a fixture for our generation is like classic rock, Less and less people are gonna know that was Bob Dylan first. It was Bob Dylan first. Jimi Hendrix, right? Yes, it is. Plays
2: it, played it. Yeah. Uh, Dave Matthews Band. Yep, which is,
1: oh, the Red Rocks live. Red Rocks. uh, Album that DMB did is incredible. But I just think it's interesting. We were talking about covers right before we came on because I was talking about the band, the the, the group, the band. Uh, as being super underrated, Reed, I saw him like humming along when it came on the sh- the shuffle. There was a, the band song. Um, and what do we get into talking about, Reed? you You said that I said I love the band's rendition of Atlantic City. He said most people think that the band originally did Atlantic City, and they don't know that the boss originally did it off Nebraska, right? That's what the conversation we had.
2: Right. Yeah, and that's what I think that most people think it's an original band song.
1: What say you listeners? I'm not sure. I, I, I've always, and I, I think a lot of times with covers, it's just, it's whatever you heard first, not to be too obvious, but I just always thought more popular singer doing it first probably gets the territory. And I would think Bruce and, uh, and Atlantic City, you, you don't think so either making?
2: Oh uh, yeah, no, I think it's the band song. That's what you think of. It's more, it's, it's ubiquitous.
1: Oh, ubiquitous.
2: Yeah. If you probably type in Atlantic City, you're getting the band's version. That's, which so, is interesting. That's yeah. so interesting. That's so
1: interesting. Because to me, it's the boss. I mean, to me, the boss, Asbury Park, Atlantic City, you know, the whole like kind of mob undertone, the Jersey the thing. Man. Yeah, the chicken man. They're not talking about like flightless birds, I'm talking about chickens. So you know what that means. And I just don't think of the band as that kind of band that deals with chickens and mobsters in New Jersey. So...
2: The Wait, is The Wait a The Band song? The Wait is indeed a band song.
1: Another thing, if we're talking about music, is I saw a real concert this weekend. I got to see Moon Taxi at Devil's Backbone here in Charlottesville, well in Roseland. And uh, they were awesome. They sounded great. And, you know, we were in pods. We had like little four-person pods, but... Uh, it was real music. It's another reason everybody's back. Also, shout out to Tommy, my boy Tommy, in, um, who's now a friend of the program. said he was listening to Greenlight on his way from, uh, from Roseland, Virginia, to his destination. So big shout out to Tommy, plays bass guitar for Moon Taxi, and was just on the Raw Room. So check him out on our friend's pod, Raw Room, Darren Bates. Great show, too. Willie Nelson, Outlaw Music Festival, been there once in Syracuse, New York. Syracuse has bad juju, no offense to Syracuse, just a bad juju kinda, upstate New York, beautiful place, but when you touch down, it feels like something's, something's wrong. Maybe that or what? I had a, a, a massive hangover. You don't feel juju when you go places? Like, different cities have good vibes, some, some don't so much and can't tell you why? I guess. They can't tell you why?
2: I guess. Really? No, I'm saying You don't feel I, energy?
1: I, I guess. You don't think energy exists. Do you think energy exists in places? Yes, yes. And it's dictated by what's, whatever's happened beforehand.
2: Or maybe your previous experiences with the place.
1: Well, I, we beat Syracuse in 2004 and, and in one of my first games in college. I Actually it, so- sophomore year, it was 05. They like um, to
2: call it Central New York in Syracuse, not upstate. Is that what they just say? Be, Whatever be it clear. is, it's
1: all you know, non New York City. It's basically the whole state is upstate New York to me. But maybe it was the fact that I forgot my contact lenses, and uh, I got them right before the game because it was a miracle. Because my mom flew up the day of the game, and the stress from that you know situation, which would have rendered me blind in my sophomore season, second year season maybe that's carried over and when I went to a show in 2016 or 17 to see Willie and my morning jacket at Outlaw Fest in Syracuse I was feeling the bad juju I think if you're from Syracuse you know what I'm talking about the elephant in the room the bad juju what did y'all build that town over
2: shout out manliest New York Ed and Ellen Griffin we can keep that moving
1: but Willie Nelson, uh, Outlaw Music Festival, it's, he's back at it, he's 86. Talk about Bob Dylan's 80, Willie's 86 and he's still crushing it. I mean, Bob's still making music, but Willie was amazing when I saw him in Syracuse and I went up there to see him and Jacket. I audibly yeah, I gasped, did I not, when I saw the, the Outlaw, what I thought was the Outlaw Music Festival's lineup through and through. You did. I mean, you were like, what? It's got to be my power lines. No telephone asshole. lines. Yeah, whatever. It's just your clients, anyways. Um, Chris Long, three tackles. Yeah, pretty good game too. Uh, you know, one I, pass deflection. You know, who sometimes I that against? means
2: you just you you you, you don't get blocked. a good
1: rush. You got blocked. I yeah. agree. I basically subtract that from my stat line. I don't want it.
2: I mean it might have been a stun or a jam or something, maybe a twist, but yeah, yeah you got your w- hand up and uh where Al Groh just
1: slanted me into three blockers in the A gap. I uh Quinn Ojanaka, who I played with in the pros, was a tackle opposite of me. He was older than me. He ended up being great guy by the way, a pro wrestler. Wow. Yeah, he's a pro wrestler now. He's down to like two thirty, veins everywhere. He used to be three plus bills. Yadded. Yadded.
2: Um, Biscuit but, threw three picks in that win.
1: Oh, why'd you have to bring
2: that up? Well, hey, power through. It's it's Sometimes, Chris, if you learn to use the adversity right, it can buy you a ticket to a place you, you couldn't have gone to any other way. Well, apply that to a real estate situation that you've been involved sure, in. Sure, sure multiple bid situation you get beat out cash is king we have a financed offer you lose out on the house oh next day bang bangarang the house on two and a half acres comes available we wanted more space we wanted to spread out we have two dogs we have two kids thank god we didn't get the one beforehand this seller likes what uh we have to offer they're they're wanting to they're wanting to accept a finance bid because they uh once upon a time were in the shoes of the uh the uh, aforementioned. The aforementioned home buyers with the financed offer. Man, hey, listen. Did
1: you just black out. You weren't even looking at anybody. You just <laughs> you know I can tell that somebody's like really either knowledgeable or into what they're talking about as they just look around the room. Yeah. If you ever want to impress somebody, I just can't focus on one thing. So I hope they'll think I'm smart. I just can't focus. But if you ever want to impress somebody, just look around the room while you're talking.
2: Coach Mendenhall looks straight up, which I think is kind of cool. I haven't tried to apply it, but he won't look at you. He'll just look straight up to the sky or the ceiling. I like
1: what he's doing, but I would say like, look around, just look around a lot.
2: And what was I doing?
1: I was you just, were just staring at the floor. Yeah. I don't know. Like what you were conjuring doing. up real estate, uh, hypotheticals from under the rug. So let me read you the Willie Nelson lineup as I thought it was. Like, I thought these motherfuckers were all on one big luxurious bus. Willie Nelson, Chris Stapleton, Sturgill Mm. Simpson, Mm. Government Mule, Ava Brothers, Nathaniel Rateliff, Ryan Bingham, Margot Price. I mean, like, the list goes on. A lot of great artists, I would think, uh, you know, I would expect nothing less from Willie Nelson, especially the the respect that he demands. And also, when you're 86, you don't know, like, which year he's going to be like, yeah, I don't feel like touring anymore. So, for these artists, it's it's a chance to be a part of history, and to tour with one of their idols, Chris Stapleton's at only the opening date in Texas. But in Virginia Beach, gonna have Sturgill, Government Mule, too many concerts in September. Too much Jacket, too much Bonnaroo, too much Willie Nelson.
2: Good problem to have, because as we might have seen over the weekend, Things are turning, at least things in the turning. sports
1: world, things are turning. Which is, you just did a great segue, a segue into the housekeeping section of the pod. The good, bad, and the ugly. Something I made up out of nowhere.
2: I think I said this to you verbatim like two months ago. You were like, ah, yeah. You got anything
1: better? Well, you know, you said to me, best part of your weekend, worst part of your weekend. Because it's I, just it needed a rebrand. Dude. I don't
2: think you c- could comprehend the good, bad, and ugly. Now I know that you can.
1: It's great. It's quicker to say
2: because good, bad, and ugly is better than best and worst.
1: Thank you. It is. Yeah, thank you. You're welcome. Uh, you see how I flipped that bird? Um, good, bad, ugly. Okay, it had it all this weekend. The good first and foremost, as far as sports are concerned, and there's no end to the pandemic. I mean, as it, like I hate to tell you, a lot of people are still struggling. Uh, a lot of people don't have vaccines. We're gonna be dealing with the ramifications of this for a while. As you know, you don't have to be a doctor, a freaking doctor to know that.
2: Well, you know how we get flu shots every year? Like yeah. this virus is 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 here to stay. Yep, it's here to stay. But the pandemic
1: as we knew it from a sports standpoint, I think is at the very least like down the home stretch.
2: Well, at the very least, it's it's now at your discretion as a fan. Yes. If you want to head to MSG and watch a ball game,
1: you're allowed to do that. You can head to MSG. And I thought this weekend, the pandemic, the pandy, as I've been calling it, yeah. Is that right? Yeah, is somewhat over when it comes to sports. I mean, you had the PGA Championship, which was awesome. And we'll talk about Phil in a little bit. Speaking of He's calling me right now, and I'm about to talk about his brother on the podcast. Is that incredible? This has been happening to me a lot lately. Our friend, a.k.a. is calling me right now. His brother this weekend put $50 down on Phil Mickelson to win the PGA Tour Championship at Kiowa Island. Oh. In a simple twist of fate.
2: Or on a Saturday
1: or Sunday. He he bet this on like a Thursday. Okay. Simple twist of fate. Phil Mickelson is, is back in like you know, early 2000s form. And he is, I guess, leading going into Sunday. Mm -hmm. Looking svelte. Yeah, so brother, he takes this bet and he goes fishing. And he decides, I don't want anybody to call me. I don't want to know what's going on. I have a chance to win $15,000. On
2: 50 chickens?
1: On 50 chickens. 15,000 chickens, yeah. So my man goes fishing rather than watch the tournament on Sunday. If you're holding 50 chickens, that could turn into 15K. You need to get into gambling. Yeah. <laughs> what are you doing that Sunday? Are you going fishing like this lad did?
2: Actually, yes. My version of that is fantasy football where the stakes are, depending on how you look at it, greater or lesser. And uh, I can't watch the ball games.
1: Brother is literally just blocking out the whole situation.
2: So 300 to 1, eh? 300 to one.
1: 15 large, that's like... A freaking Kia. Yep. Shout out to Ashley Schaefer. But sports are back, man. Not that you needed golf to be crowded, like full of people to to say it out loud, but sports are back. I mean, uh, the Masters, we watched that handshake line at the end, and I was like, literally I can see the COVID going from Bubba's hand to Matsuyama's hand, uh, and then you can see it leave uh, because you saw Matsuyama in the airport in the B terminal the next morning. So like you literally saw hypothetically how COVID could move around and you were like, uh, I don't feel like everybody's on golf's level right now as far as willingness to open the doors back up. But this weekend you had not only the PGA Tour Championship and uh, more of the same from golf, raucous crowds. I mean, it was nice. And then some, ha-
2: some fellow trying to club Brooks Kepka in the knee. Nancy
1: Kerrigan situation.
2: See, shouldn't we call that like a Tanya Harding situation? Yeah. I understand you're the victim, the victim, but we should probably associate it with the. With the and the, do you feel like
1: most people do the Nancy Kerrigan thing? I think so. the, That's interesting. Yeah,
2: it's a thought because like he got Nancy Kerriganed. Yeah, you're right. But really, he got Tanya Hardinged. Yeah, you're right. Yeah,
1: let's work on that society. Well, I didn't see it because I, me caring about golf like a ton lasted as long as the uh, the Masters did. I was watching it as landscape porn, I realized. You, and my, was gorgeous, you
2: and my daughter
1: both. What I was mostly doing was watching basketball. And I was watching Madison Square Garden, the mecca of, of basketball in my eyes. Um, as a Knicks fan, I'm biased, but maybe in all of sports, when you think about stadiums and arenas that are going to be here after we're gone, that are really actually ancient, even right now. I, I have a hard time imagining Madison Square Garden ever being leveled, you know, ever being rebuilt upon. I, I could see it being improved upon, but I can't see it like being knocked down and then putting up a new MSG, like a soldier field type situation. I think you brought up a Fenway Park situation.
2: Because there was talk of new Fenway back when we were, I don't know in high school or so. And thankfully it didn't happen.
1: We've got enough new stadiums. There are not enough MSGs. And to see that building full of fans, not only like out of the pandemic, but also with this long drought the Knicks have had, was really special. And it was undeniable to anybody watching. And for people to say the Knicks aren't popular, like scroll through your Twitter yesterday. You'd either think we had a bunch of new Knicks fans and yes, I'm being protective like Uh, You know, that was my favorite team and I don't wanna see a bunch of fucking dorky millennials like hopping on the bandwagon now, like young, like millennials, not geriatric millennials like me. I'm just not excited about that element of it, but everything else is so exciting right now when it comes to being a Knicks fan and really being a sports fan. That was loud. There was a moment in that game where Julius Randle hit a three and you thought he was breaking that cold spell that lasted like probably 90 minutes after the game. They're trading fucking threes it was like watching Western Conference basketball five, seven years ago. It was that, that quality of offensive basketball, and people were freaking out. And I didn't like the way it ended, of course, but you had to be happy with sports this weekend. Sports were back, and it felt good, and it was sudden. Like, it just kinda happened. That was the good of the weekend for me.
2: Couldn't agree more. It was like a switch was flipped. I didn't, I didn't realize that the, uh czar of sports, determined that the uh, weekend before Memorial Day weekend was the time, but apparently we're here.
1: It's been like a long year, and from the downs of, you know, think Bill's Titans. You know, think like it was Monday night, and it should have been, it was supposed to be like Thursday night, and half the team had oh, to, yeah. hadn't practice, and you were like, this is the way sports are going to be the next four years or something, you know, to the the Dodger guy with COVID running out of the the dugout to take the picture, and everybody's like, "What the hell is going on Turner. here?" To missing March Madness, which was probably the most hopeless time as a sports fan, is when they canceled that thing, and they just they did not ease us into the pandemic.
2: No, and your boy ain't no stopping Obi Top, and those Dayton Flyers never got a shot. For me, the most depressing moment of of Pandy sports was the bubble, and. Though it went off without a hitch, I guess, as Woj is about to tell you, it was like a TV production. Yeah. I mean, piped in sound, Mm -hmm. no fans, you're on lockdown in Walt Disney World. It was just all gross for me. And now you're seeing that uh, without a controlled environment, uh, LeBron James and Anthony Davis can't win anything. (laughs) Go Suns.
1: Uh, And if you hate the Lakers, it's been a good weekend too, but you're right that was different. I just wouldn't say it was my low point. To me, I actually looked at it a different way and I'm not being like a dick, but like as an athlete, as a pro athlete, I just look at it through a lens of, okay, these guys are out here. This is like they're doing an incredible service. And as a consumer, yeah, it could suck, but the the athlete part of me definitely bled into my memory of that. Like think about the eeriness of we talked to Danny Green on the podcast about this of like when the lights go out, the noise stops, and you walk out of that that building, uh, and you look back at it, and you just played the biggest game of your life, and the building's like this off pink stucco, and it's like probably smells like shit, and you probably exit the side door, and you can smell the dumpsters in the dead of summer, and you walk back to your Disney World suite. It's just a weird situation. It was like the most fucked up high stakes AAU tournament of all time. As an athlete, I thought about all that, and was just like, this is really cool, and it's also something where they lifted people up when we needed it. We really needed something at that point, like in the dead of summer, and they did it. But you're right, I thought it was a big deal. I thought it was a bigger deal than it ended up being. I remember the playing game when Devin Booker hit that game-winning shot, and I went on and I was interviewing Ryan Rossillo. I asked him, I go, where do you think this Devin Booker shot's gonna go down? I mean, it's like, this is a moment in time, and what a big shot. I haven't seen a game-winner like that in a while, and he just laughed at me because I was just a prisoner of the moment. I was a prisoner of not having any sports. And when Devin Booker hit that shot, I lost my shit. And now I don't, to prove his point, I don't even remember what it looks like. I don't remember what that shot looks like. He ended up on the ground. I don't remember anything else. Me neither. So yeah, there was a blur. And I think we'll always look back on it and say, not the best moment, but one that we needed. Now, the bad of the uh, the weekend was, yeah, Trey Young, Reminding uh, everybody that in a sense we're still the Knicks. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, to climb that hill, to have that raucous crowd, to trade buckets with a really exciting Hawks team, to go down to the wire and look like you're going to win it, and Trey Young to hit that shot. By the way, can we get somebody that can guard Trey Young out there on the court in the final seconds? And can we get an inbound pass that's actually going to lead to a shot? That was rough. With the game on the line. I mean, I don't want to rant too much about the Knicks, but... And because Tib's the guy, you know? He is the guy. He's the reason they're there. And so, like, you know, I'm just like, come on, man. We're better than this. That was the bad of the weekend. For sure, that was the bad. The bad for me that was not sports-related, my wife is now full-on sleepwalker. Oh, boy. Oh, yeah. She just walks in her sleep. It looks about how it sounds.
2: Well, I've heard this before, but now what is it? More consistent? It's, more dangerous.
1: Well, I just, just getting more brazen. Um, you know, first, a few nights ago, I'm on the toilet at one in the morning trying to, you know, do my business. I'll leave it there. And I hear footsteps and the door just swings open and I get hit in the side of the head with a roll of toilet paper. Yeah, thought you needed this. As she's sleepwalks, She's asleep. You called me. You told me you needed toilet paper. She hit me with the toilet paper. I couldn't convince her that I did not tell her I needed toilet paper and
2: could you please shut the door? So you're told not to wake up a sleepwalker.
1: Actually, you know what's funny? I wasn't taking a, a two. I was doing exactly what I've talked about on this pod. I was sitting clothed on top of the toilet doing work at one in the morning.
2: Having some alone time. Just having some alone time. And she... I,
1: we need to talk to somebody about sleepwalking. Well, we definitely do because a couple nights later, I got a little fan by my bed um, to blow the vape smoke, so i don 't have to to set the <laughs> so i don 't set the the fire alarm off one trip to one trip from Charlottesville fire department was enough, and I could spin that to my kids at three in the afternoon uh, into this thing where hey, I just thought you guys wanted to see the fire trucks right. can 't do that at three in the morning so well anyways, I get this fan uh, and it blows uh, as fans do, and I wake up in the morning, wake up at three in the morning. And, uh, I wake up to my wife trying to have a conversation with the fan, (laughs) uh, you know, just like, kind of like, it's time for you to get to bed, that type of thing. She thought the fan, which is smaller, was our two-year-old Luke. Yeah. And she's trying to put a fan back to bed.
2: When you wake up, do you know every time that she's sleepwalking?
1: Oh yeah. Mostly. When she opened the door with that roll of toilet paper, I was like, well, that's really sweet of her, but seemed random. And then I realized that she wasn't with us. What's the sign? Does she look different? Mostly not knowing what the fuck's going on. Eyes? No, just looking at me. It can be pretty unnerving if you're afraid of your wife. I'm not afraid of my wife.
2: But still, bro, I don't. So she's completely normal. Just being weird.
1: Yeah. She's just being weird. Okay. Sleepwalking—it's a thing. People really do it. Are
2: you sure she's not putting on a skit? No, she's not putting on a skit. It'd be a
1: funny, funny ass skit to put on, like petting us uh, an oscillating fan.
2: And what do you do? Hey, you're asleep. Go back to bed. Well, you don't want to be
1: too forceful because they say if you like wake up a sleepwalker, they're going to attack I, you. That's what I'm saying. But I think what that's a cliche because I, I I have been like, hey, go to bed, man. And she she does. Well, it might take her three three or four prompts to realize that she's not 100%.
2: And so then she wakes up and goes back to bed? Well, she'll be
1: like, she'll kind of, all of a sudden you'll see like a little bit of acknowledgement in her eyes. Um, Maybe not so much as like my bad, but like, fuck, I'm walking while I'm asleep again. And then it's like, good night, babe. Okay. Yeah, it doesn't happen every night. I don't want to make her out to be like, uh, I don't know who, what notable figure Walk, walks in their sleep.
2: Mike Berbiglia.
1: Oh no, it's not like she's the people in Step Brothers. Right. Step Brothers like, with a microwaving cushions and shit. No, she's not violent. She doesn't do anything that's really harmful. She just pets oscillating fans and makes sure I'm loaded up on TP and <laughs> sometimes asks me where the kids are. It's like 3-4 in the morning. Why is he in the room? It can be creepy. Yeah. But she's hot, and she's really sweet, and she's a great mother, and she's like my best friend. So if that's in the in the in the minuses,
2: right? That's the worst and once, worst thing. And 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 when she does, you know, accidentally shaves your head off while she's sleepwalking, no big deal. No big deal.
1: Because I have Invisalign now, and I'll look good. Whatever you throw up on top, and have a smile like Lane Johnson, the ugly. <laughs> That wasn't a segue, with intention. Oh, God. the ugly. The Blues lost. That was ugly. Oh. Series was over before it started. Clean sweep. Shoot. Reeds Colorado Avalanche. Hmm. Go Abs, like I like to say. Bunch of hippies. That was depressing. But we got a, we got a ship in our back pocket. And then the Cowboys are having an ugly Monday. Remember when Nathan Peterman caught a stray from uh, Devonte Adams? Nathan Peterman. Just sitting at home, and Devonte Adams was like, uh, he was trying to conjure up some metaphor of like the worst quarterback of all time, and he picked Nathan Peterman just I off the top of his head. This. Yes, that's catching astray. Well, the Cowboys caught astray from Julio Jones today when Shannon Sharp called him on the cell phone in the middle of first take. Is that the show?
2: Is he on the one with Skip Bayless? Undisputed. Okay,
1: I'm terrible with this. I don't watch a lot of TV. But Shannon Sharp called Julio Jones on the air with Skip there and was like, what's up, man? Like, w- what, are you, what are you up to? And Julio was like, oh, leaving Atlanta. Like, I'm not gonna play here anymore. And then he was like, hey, do you wanna play for the Cowboys? Cause Skip's sitting right there. And Julio's like, nah, I wanna win, LOL. Ah, uh,
2: And this is on TV or not? Nah? This is
1: on TV. Wow. So it, it calls a couple things into question. Number one, people are asking, and I asked initially, did Shannon really call him without warning him who's on TV, which I don't think Shannon would do that unless they have some like, agreement where, hey, if I call you on Monday, you know we're on TV. And if you're picking up, you know you're gonna be on TV. I don't think Shannon would do that, former player. I also, also don't think, I think he's very smart.
2: Hey, if I call you yeah, Tuesdays at 9 p.m., Yeah, you're on speaker, mm-hmm. and whatever I say, you just agree with, like, fervently. Is this a marriage thing? Yeah, just okay, if yeah, I need yeah. it.
1: Tuesday, 9 p.m. In my back pocket. Wife alert, wife alert. Tuesday, 9 p.m. Wife alert.
2: Whatever it okay, is, fine. you just have my back 100. I'll 100. set
1: 100. Okay. I might go 200.
2: Okay, great.
1: But seriously, that's good to have a time yeah, for that.
2: Yeah.
1: Like, we'll call Chris. Chris will tell you. Right. Well, hey, I'll call him at 9 o'clock. He's busy till then.
2: Chris said he's busy. till 9. Until 9. So, so I'll I call, call him you. at 9. Hey, Chris. Hey, uh, it's me making, I just want to run something by you. What do you think about this? Give me your honest opinion because I told my lovely wife X and then you just bang, you hammer X, uh-huh. X, 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 X. What are the buttons?
1: What are the X. buttons I'm shooting? Yes. Get shots off. X. Yeah. I would hammer X for you. You okay. let me know. Nine 9 PM. Thanks. So I just think it's funny that we've reached the stage in football history where the Cowboys are catching strays, like people are out loud saying, I don't want to play for the Cowboys. This is America's team, okay? This would be like the Lakers, who have been more successful in recent years, but like the same popularity. Free agents saying, I don't want to play for the Lakers. How bad do you think it's gotten for the Cowboys when players like Julio Jones are like, nah, out loud. Jura doesn't like that very much. That that is the cap to an ugly long weekend for the Cowboys. Hey, Woj, coming on. You got a better one. My bomb? Yeah, better bomb noise. Oh, I thought yours was. I'll do the bomb shelter. <laughs> Woj, bomb coming at us. Hey. I do want to talk about the Lakers game, though, and we're going to bring that up with Woj. I hate the Lakers so much, like, historically, that I it's bleeding into my perception of LeBron, and I hate that because I'm always such a big LeBron defender and all that stuff, but... I, I I a lot of people are talking about how long he stayed on the ground, and a lot of people are talking about some of the theatrics with the eye, and I'm buying into some of that. I mean, I'm not hating on LeBron. I love LeBron, but this shit is a little bit much. Kevin Durant, I love Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant, to me, like, people, whenever I'm like, no, Kevin Durant's like one of my favorite players. I just like his mentality, and people are like, what? He has a burner. Okay, he has a burner, but, like, he's literally... 180 pounds, 6'9", and he hit the fucking deck like he fell out of a three-story building uh, onto hardwood the other day and just popped up. His eyes didn't even change. Like he just was like, like real calm, almost mad, like I'm gonna go into the next, and I'm not questioning people's injuries. I mean, fucking basketball players, they generally stay down longer than football players and all that stuff. And baseball players, the toughest sport, but it was a little much, I do think. And uh, also, the Lakers are not sorry. Maybe I'm just not that good of a basketball fan, but we uh, if Lakers fans are trying to sell me on this thing, or like LeBron fans are trying to sell me on this thing that it's just him, I'm not buying it. Not buying it. By the way, speaking of why I'm not buying it, I mean, you've got like role players like Andre Drummond, not to mention a Batman and, or a Robin, depending on how you want to look at it, and AD. You've got Montrez Harrell just showing up. If you haven't watched a Lakers game, all year, you're like, oh, these motherfuckers are on this team. Like, I know they're not pieces, pieces, but this is not a bad team. This is a good team. Schroeder? Schrader? Schroeder. Schroeder? You were Option get there. C? yeah. Names. And by names, I mean I can't pronounce them. But there are names on this team, too. Listen, good team, not buying the uh woe is me thing. Not if they lose. I don't want to hear the woe is me thing. from. Listen, arguing about basketball is... American is apple pie, arguing about goat conversations. And I'll ask Woj about it. I don't know if he thinks it, it matters as much as I do. Woj is going to have an interesting answer. My answer is that, you know, when people argue about this in a locker room, who's the goat? MJ, LeBron, people, if they lose this series, will bring up losing to the Suns with a hobbled CP3, if that's indeed what he is.
2: Go, Suns.
1: Yeah, that tells me where you stand. But I, they're fun, you know, like it's going to be a fun physical series. So um, without further ado, we should get to our guy, Woj, to shine the light on all the basketball stuff we don't know, which is most of it. Another thing I want to say Derek Rose is good, officially. Officially a good player, again. And he's probably been one longer than most of us knew. Adrian Wojnarowski. Hello, fresh. Hello. With Hello Fresh, you get fresh, pre-measured ingredients and mouth-watering seasonal recipes delivered right to your front door. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on Hello Fresh to make home cooking easy and fun and affordable. And that's why it's America's number one meal kit.
2: I'm a guy on the go, Chris. I like Hello Fresh because I'm a real estate agent. I'm a podcaster. Everything under the sun. My friend, we're talking about meals ready in 20 minutes or less, lightning fast recipes and quick breakfasts and lunches, perfect for my busy schedule.
1: And I love fresh food. With HelloFresh, and I mean, it's right there in the name, for goodness sake, Uh, all the ingredients are sourced directly from growers and delivered from the farm to your front door in under a week.
2: And we both love how HelloFresh makes it easy to see the nutritional value of the meals we're eating, because as the people know... You've become my trainer slash health guru.
1: That's right, Makin. We're on the road up from six foot four, 162 pounds, and HelloFresh is helping us get you to respectable measurements.
2: Go to HelloFresh.com slash Greenlight12 and use code Greenlight12 for 12 free meals, including free shipping. That's
1: HelloFresh.com slash Greenlight12, promo code Greenlight12 for 12 free meals, including free shipping.
2: HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. How about that? We do ad reads as a, as a freaking team. It's, uh, what, what, hey, I really
1: there's a few teachers I'd like to call up and tell them we're, we're making money off ad reads together. Mm, they thought we'd never, well, they thought you would amount to something, maybe me not so much.
2: Look mm, at us now. Noodle soup. You know the Friends episode where Joey can't say, mmm, soup. He just says, mmm, noodle soup. Never watch Friends. That's a good one.
1: Well, I got to say, this was a big surprise, a pleasant surprise to be able to get Woj here. I mean, like center of the basketball universe, as far as I'm concerned.
2: A Woj bomb of your own, really, to pull
1: Woj. (laughs) This is a a long bomb. (laughs) Yeah. This is a long bomb. Woj, how you doing, man? Uh,
0: I'm great. I'm great, guys. Thanks for having me.
1: Oh, thanks for coming on, man. Uh, First things first, we had the play-in thing. You say what? Did it work out well? Did it go
0: swimmingly for the NBA? Yeah, I think it I think it worked out great partly because they had LeBron James and Steph Curry in the play-in. Not sure you would have imagined you would have had the Lakers in a play-in uh, before the season. You thought you might have the Warriors without Klay Thompson. So certainly that drives a lot of ratings. I think if you look at the numbers probably the two players who drive ratings more than anyone else are exactly that LeBron James and and Steph Curry. And so to have them in the same game, obviously the game did great numbers. It was great interest in it. Uh, but even after that, what Memphis did going into Golden State, uh, and then obviously they went on to take Game One against Utah. But I, I think the league, for a couple reasons, the the lead up to the play in, which was uh, teams jockeying, uh, you know, to get to the nine or ten seed or to stay out of seven to stay six or higher, I think it created some interest and some buzz at a time of the year where typically that isn't the case in the league standings. And, you know, I think the NBA knows, uh, the teams knew it and, and the league knew it when they put it in, that they've got to create more uh, of a competitive element to the regular season, that the 82 games in a normal year, this year it was 72, you know, it's fallen a little bit flat for some people, for a lot of people. And so they need to find ways to juice it up I think they did that. I think they've got a formula that they're going to stay with, and then, and then there's another. I think there's another step for the league to take, and, and that's going to be the mid season tournament that they're going to bring back up with teams, uh, in this uh, perhaps as soon as this offseason, and see if they could get moving on that because, you know, like viewership habits are different, uh, and also just attendance in arenas now as we move forward, people can be back in arenas. You know, I think they've got to find ways to get people engaged in regular season NBA basketball.
1: I want to get back to the midseason thing in a second, but with the play in thing, one thing that intrigued me is it's such a player friendly league. Me coming from a league where they tell you just do it and uh, you don't get days off and that sort of thing, it felt like possibly a less aggressive way to say, hey, not get your ass out there on the court and play. Most of the nights, you know, play 70 games a season, at least if you're a star. But there is something to gain from
0: you being out there playing. That's right. And and certainly a big part of it was seeding and and wanting to avoid the play. And, And if you were one of the top six teams, you got, you know, like six days off, five, six days off, almost a little bit of a mini camp before the playoffs. But I think a lot of the talk about how teams manage the minutes, and the mileage on players and veteran players. And I know sometimes people want to just put it on the players in the NBA and say, guys don't want to play. They don't want to play the way guys in another era played. And you go back and you look at the minutes and how many games star players of a different generation played and played long careers. You know, much of this is driven by organizations and it's driven by their sports science and the investments that they have in players uh, hundreds of millions of dollars, you know, star, you know, max players who might be on a hundred and twenty million dollar deal, a hundred sixty million dollar deal over a long period of time. They want to manage the health of those players, and so while I think there is, it is a two-way conversation, and and I think, and you made a great point, Chris, about how it's viewed in the NBA and how where the leverage is in the NFL. I and mean, we'd all agree, the owners in the NFL. The organizations have much more of a hold and uh, impact on how uh, how this might go because the na- ultimately, I think the nature of the contracts, non guaranteed contracts versus guaranteed contracts, are a big element of it. But in the NBA, you know, a star player has much more of a voice in how his health is going to be managed and how he's going to work with an organization on it. So. I I do think there's a two-way street here, but the league, certainly while they want to keep guys healthy, they want star players on the court for fans, for television, all those things. And the 82-game regular season makes that hard. And this compressed 72-game season this year, obviously guys complicated that because you had, especially some teams, who in the second half of the year had to jam in even more games because of postponements to the teams who are still playing went through that Washington and Memphis.
2: So if it is a two-way conversation, will pushback from people like Mark Cuban and LeBron James, granted they both made their comments when they were a part of the 7 through 10, will pushback from big names like that come into play in the offseason and moving forward?
0: No. I think it was those frustrations were seen in the context of where they were. You had Mark Cuban who was backing up the comments of his star player, Luka Doncic, and again, a D- Dallas team that was hovering there and a Laker team that would have never expected to be in that situation. You know, remember, this is all bargained with the Players Association. Players Association has to be on board with any of these changes, a play-in tournament, a midseason tournament, uh, a 72-game schedule versus an 82-game, whatever it is, There, you know, that's has to be collectively bargained. It is. But I think... Listen, it's conceivable, and Adam Silver said this last week, it's conceivable there could be some tweaks to the play-in, uh, but I think the format itself is is here to stay. You talked about the play-in. The, the
1: mid-season tournament is now something that's floating around and you've spoken on it a little bit. Can you tell our listeners what you think of it and what that's going to entail?
0: So essentially it would be, it's kind of a European soccer model. Adam Silver likes this idea a lot it would be, you would basically bake pool play into the regular season schedule, whether it's five or six games of a stretch of time that's in your regular season schedule, your record in that. The best eight teams is what they had had about pre-pandemic when they were going through this and negotiating it. Uh, An eight-team single elimination tournament. Uh, The winning team, they had discussed $1 million a player for the winning team, and it would be, again, somewhere around the midpoint of the season. And again, trying to put some drama, trying to put some juice into the regular season, but also uh, trying to find ways to create more revenue. And obviously through television, uh, through sponsorships, finding a way to, to just make more money. And so again, that's something they've got to agree to with the union. That was being discussed around the time of the play-in pre-pandemic. Play-in was voted in. They never took that mid-season tournament vote to the board of governors, the owners, for uh, the vote they needed. I don't think they had the votes to get it passed, so they didn't bring it. But I do know they want to revisit it now. And, you know, essentially, again, something to break up the monotony of this long, regular season. Now, the question's that were raised uh, from on the team side. Number one, you're going to lose two home games. And so for the big market teams that might make anywhere from three to four uh, million off of a home game, can that money, can they at least break even on having to do that? Because you might play instead of 82 games, 78 game schedule leaving room for you to be in that tournament. Uh, Not everyone's going to make that tournament. And then the fear that star players who are making, you know, At at the top levels of the league, income-wise, $1 million versus I can have those five or six days off by not being in the tournament, would they choose that over playing and grinding through to win this midseason cup, whatever it is? You said something that made my... Ears perk up because we were just talking about
1: this. I feel like, and without even hearing the midseason thing, whether it's the sponsors on on patches on your jerseys, whether it's the player mobility, the visibility, I mean the nature of being able to see the faces of your superstars, the global nature of your game, the load management. It's not a fuck you American fans, like football fans that also watch basketball, but it is like some acknowledgement that our game is more global than it's American. And we're going to look more like some of the most famous, successful leagues around the globe. And that happens to look like soccer to me. Do you ever pick up on that outside of the midseason?
0: Yeah, and I think, uh, you know, but with the midseason, you're right, Chris. And I think, again, that's something Adam Silver was drawn to and how that worked, uh, the success that uh, they've had with it in Europe. But it's foreign to the thinking of this league. It just doesn't. How do you create value for a midseason tournament? What does that mean to anybody? It might have more value to younger up-and-coming teams, certainly a team that's defending its championship or a team that really believes it's a it's a championship contender. Is it going to have as much value then as opposed to like, let's take this Memphis team right now? You know, would that be a team that would say, hey, we like this has value for us to grind through, win it? You know, John Morant, your best player, he's not on a max contract yet. That's mm. Jaron Jackson Jr., you'd say, hey, that's a team there that would be motivated. I always thought that, especially with the midseason tournament, that it would behoove Adam Silver to get the best 25 and under players in the league and get them into, bring them into New York when Mm. the teams come through or go spend time with them and and really sell them on the idea that for the future of this league, for the salaries that you want to see continue to increase and... For allowing for the fact that viewership habits are changing and we just can't keep it the way it was, and uh, accept that, like, this cash cow is going to just continue uh, to pour money into the league, that we need you guys. Now, the guys who are the 30 something MVPs and who, you know, who might be on their last deal or second to last deal, maybe it means less to them. But I think the younger players, to to really sell those guys, sell their agents on the importance for the future of the league to to be committed to it, to talk it up. Because the worst thing you can have as a league is to have your best players with something like this come kind of shrug their shoulders about it. Because if I'm a fan and I hear guys going, well, I don't really care about this. yeah, Well, why should I care about it? And sometimes we get that with the regular season where you have – team sitting guys and we're not playing back to backs. And if I'm a fan and I'm going to a game and you're telling me like this game doesn't mean much to you. Why do you, why would I buy a ticket for a game or a stretch of games you keep telling me doesn't mean that much. And I think that is a, a, a narrative, a reality that, that the NBA has got to address and change. And ultimately you need your star players selling that. It doesn't matter what Adam Silver's saying or, or, or anybody else. It's, it's a, it's a player's league. And I think they've got to be invested and believe in the reasons why you're doing the thing.
1: And because you've given them the freedom to speak their minds to a degree, uh, Draymond would probably think otherwise. But like the players are going to speak out on things that are interesting to them and not. And whereas the NFL, it might be more like, "Hey, we just push the propaganda that this stretch means something to us." And I think that's probably considerations. What do guys say when they go up and they talk and you know to our fan base? So. You got to have the buy in. Like, yeah. that, that makes perfect sense. MSG last night, I kind of thought of it as like, hey, this is the pandemic is not over. But for sports fans, this was with the PGA championship. And then me being a long suffering Knicks fan, you see on the laptop here. <laughs> so maybe I'm biased, but I felt I'm getting chills thinking about last night. It was sports. They were like, okay, the, the switch is flipped. It was like you just woke up one day and MSG had 15,000 people in it to me.
0: What did you feel watching that? No, you're you're right, Chris. And it, it was like they turned a faucet on. Yeah. It almost felt over the weekend like they turned a faucet on in sports. Uh, not just the Garden and the Knicks Hawks game, but, you know, probably even that PGA event, yeah. with Phil Mickelson winning and, and seeing the crowds. It felt like it was – it felt like a turning point, I think. And all of a sudden in the NBA, you've got – you go from virtually no fans – to a sparse amount of fans to now like home court advantage matters. Philly was rocking with half capacity with the Sixers yesterday and the, you know, Madison square garden. uh, It's, it's been a long time, not just a long time having fans, but a long time before since you've had a playoff game and a team that people were that excited about. And, and now all of a sudden that's a real thing in these playoffs in the NBA last year, we were in the bubble and the playoffs came. You didn't even know who the home team, it didn't matter who the home team was. We were, sitting essentially like on a TV set on a spaceship somewhere and the game would end and they would shut the pipe, piped in sound off and everybody just walked off the television set. That's what it was in the bubble. Now you feel all the pressures. And as a player, I'm really curious because like take Anthony Davis and he made his championship run with the Lakers in a really sterile environment in the bubble. You're not getting booed on the road. You're not getting cheered at home or you're not getting booed at home, which is what happens sometimes in, in big tough markets. And now all of a sudden those elements are all back into play and it changes the dynamic. Like we know the difference between great players who can do it at home away, who are going to deliver whatever the, the conditions and circumstances around them. You know, sometimes role players play better at home with a crowd. Sometimes role players don't you know, have the impact on the road in that environment. And that's what separates guys. But now all those elements are back in there. That's what to me made what Trey Young did yeah. last night in the garden for Atlanta, even more impressive first playoff game of his career. And it was like the the Knicks had a, I, I joked with his agent, Omar Wilkes last night. I saw him after the game and I said like, New York's got a new villain. You guys made a lot of money tonight. That, like, that, that was my next question. The yeah. league's got to be happy. Maybe they don't want to hear
1: the word fuck mouthed, uh, but I can't help it when I do something like that as an athlete. I've got to say fuck, so I don't blame Trey, yep. but it, probably the NBA and Adam Silver are like, yes, this is maybe not, it's premature to call him the new Reggie Miller, but this is a moment that you're going to remember because of this drought, and all of a sudden you wake up and I'm like, the Knicks are playing in this game where it was, they were trading threes and people were on their feet, and you talk about role players at home, Burke was going off. Yeah, it was just so much so much drama and to end like that you're like, maybe we have something here of a rivalry and and those um, fans kind of and as a Knicks fan, they might have deserved it with the uh, the chance early in the game. So yeah, I just yeah. what what does it mean? JA Donde said the Knicks are not important west of the Hudson. I vehemently disagree. I think the country would probably disagree the way Twitter was talking about them yesterday, but how important is it to have the Knicks relevant again from a financial standpoint from a brand standpoint, the whole nine yards?
0: No, I, I think it's huge. And, and you know, Nate McMillan got fined for saying it last week. He was right. I mean, I think what he got fined for was saying we're, we're probably not going to get calls on this. He, he said something about the officiating and we'll probably have calls against us. I think that's what they popped him for. Yeah, It is important for the league to have their big markets be good. And the Knicks, it's been so long. And they're a team that drives, you know, there are Knicks fans everywhere. You go on the road and see, and even when the Knicks aren't very good, Nick fans pop up in, in any arena that they mm-hmm. travel to. Uh, there's no question. I think it's 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 important for the league. Uh, it's important for and, and having now both the Knicks and Nets and having you know something of a revival in New York. And and as great as the Nets have been and and what they're on the cusp of, maybe winning a championship, maybe winning multiple titles. The Knicks are still the team in New York. They're still the team with the fan base, and the Garden is still the Garden. It's still. A mecca of basketball, but there is a whole generation of players who've grown up in the NBA, who grew up, who are young players in the NBA, who've never seen a good Knicks team, who've never seen a really <laughs> yeah. relevant Knicks team, and and so it does kind of change the dynamic a little bit. But but it was awesome to see MSG and what it looked like last night, and then what it, you know what it'll be for game game two Wednesday. Does the, you
1: think that bothers the Nets? That I mean, they wouldn't say it outwardly, but the fact that they've done all these things right. I mean, they've assembled probably the only super team that I would count as like a real super team proper, the way we were talking about it five years ago. And they've got this beautiful stadium. I mean, this arena is gorgeous, but people are still talking about the Knicks and the lost and found pieces that they have across the city.
0: Yeah, I I think the Nets have gotten a ton of attention, Chris. I really do. I think they've gotten, from the day they signed KD and Kyrie Irving, um, and obviously made the James Harden trade, I think certainly nationally they get, uh, there's as much focus on them, is any team in, in the league, I mean, I know the way we cover it at ESPN, they're, I would say they and the Lakers, the Lakers are always, it's always going to be there for them. Um, they're going to be on first take a lot. I just yeah. don't personally give a shit about the Nets, except
1: for Joe Harris, our guy. Our, yeah. guy. our guy. But it's yeah. interesting to me. I mean, the Knicks have done, in, on one end of things, you're literally, it's like a lost and found pieces collection, guys who have been refurbished and having mm-hmm. second chances to an older building that's got all this history to the new shiny stadium and all the guys yeah. that, that flock there to form this super team. And I wonder, do you look at this and say, did we overreact to the super team thing? Because the Nets are the closest thing to it, and I still feel like this playoffs, until they prove it, is relatively wide open, I mean, outside of the Nets. I mean, the product has not been ruined by super teams at this juncture.
0: No, and I think what you're seeing, I mean, Chris, uh, in the NBA, Nothing lasts very long. Mm. Like none of these teams last very long. They come and go relatively quickly and and it's I think it's the world we're in, but it's also this league that it's pretty rare that when any of these super teams have great staying power. And we looked at Golden State. I mean, think of LeBron James and Chris Bosch joined Dwayne Wade in Miami and you thought, and they got up and they said, we're going to win five, six, seven championships. And you thought, you know, why not? Why wouldn't they? Yeah. Well, it didn't last. And, and if not for the Ray Allen shot, and I know there's always a play like that, you could put that in any championship run. It's true. You might've won one title. And so same with the Warriors, KD goes there and you think, what is going to stop the Warriors from dominating this league for as far down the road as we can imagine? Well, it doesn't stay together. These things are combustible and I think if you're the Nets, you look at this thing and go like, we better win one this year. Who knows? Yeah. Who knows how it is all going to change and how the pieces, do they stay together? And so I do think, I know there's always a lot of grumbling about the super teams, especially with the smaller markets that we can't, you know, we're, we feel like A teams to the big markets, but the movement is constant. And so I think you're right. It's not ruined the league but it, it does create a villain. It does create a team that everyone at sometimes either wants to root for or root against, and it creates some lightning rods. And and again, this is a, this Nets team is as talented as, as we've seen. We haven't really seen them play together that much. They've still played less than 10 games or eight, right around 10 games, games together. Yeah, on yeah. the
1: season with the three of them together. Mm-hmm. So I don't know who they are. Again, the same thing out West. You're talking about LeBron having not played a ton of games this year. All eyes are on him, but I don't feel like we know anything about him. And There's one or two narratives with the Suns and this series with the Lakers. I've depends on who you ask. We had Jalen Rose on the other day, who we love, and he said that, you know, the Suns are going to get beat by the Lakers, and it almost sounded like a foregone conclusion. And I think most fans would say, like LeBron, AD, that whole thing, and the Suns, they got a young core, and we know how experience matters in the playoffs. On the other end of things, people, LeBron fans, are trying to sell me this narrative that he's fighting alone. And I don't buy the second one, so I'm wondering where you stand. Are the Lakers just huge underdogs, uh, LeBron fighting alone, or are the Suns doomed because they have a young core?
0: Well, I think you look at the Lakers right now, Chris, we have not seen this team altogether playing at a really high level for a few months because of the injuries and guys being in and out, and then even since they've gotten AD and LeBron back. This isn't a team that has let you say, okay, they're, they're really playing high-level basketball now the assumption is they will get back there that they have time to ramp this up and get back to it but in this series against phoenix who again what you hold against phoenix is they just have a bunch of young guys who don't have playoff experience and and there's almost an assumption you need veterans you you need your core guys to be you know playoff veterans to win and you watch those guys in game one and devin booker look like just like trey young they look like they've they've those did not look like playoff debuts for those two players, and, and obviously, the you know Chris Paul, who's been in a million of these right. fights in in the West in the West through his career. Um, this is a, a, a very well coached team. Monty Williams was the coaches uh, association coach of the year. He has impacted that team in a huge way, as has Chris Paul. But they're talented and they're athletic, and they can play you a few different ways. They check a lot of boxes, and they've got depth. And so the idea that the Lakers can win this series by doing anything but playing, like, extremely well, they're not going to. Now, their best might still be better than Phoenix's. We haven't seen the Lakers best in a while, and I think that's what gives you some concern about their ability to get back there this quickly.
1: I hate using the word legacy. I'm going to do it. I hate when people say I hate to do this, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. LeBron, legacy, <laughs> it's, uh, it's a worn out alliteration there, but I'm wondering what losing to the Suns with, and we'll see what CP3's shoulder is doing the rest of the series, he wasn't the same when he came back. I was like, you might be sighing relief if you're a Lakers fan, but if you're a LeBron fan, the stakes are high if you lose to a team with a half speed CP3 that you were quote unquote supposed to
0: beat because they're young. Yeah, I, to me, LeBron James's legacy is cemented. Yep, I mean his place in history and his place at the very top um, of the list with Michael Jordan. And I don't know—is there one other person to add in there? I, I don't know if there is. I think it's those two. Probably a and, big man. Yeah, some people like, might it,
1: say Bill Russell, just off the. But yeah, like, Bill I, Russell, know.
0: Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Yeah, Kareem. I always feel like Kareem gets left out in this he conversation does. when you think of 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 dominance, of winning, of doing it. Like LeBron's done it over a very long, long career. I mean, Kareem was winning titles and scoring 20 and 10 at 38 years old. But listen, every victory adds to it. Of course, he wants to catch Jordan and and the championships. I remember how badly Kobe wanted to catch Michael's six. And he knew that winning that title, that put you in the conversation uh, by getting to six. He didn't get there. LeBron, whether he gets there or not, I, I don't think any of that is defined by a playoff series and a pandemic year in 2021. I I don't, I think he adds to it by winning, but I don't imagine like all of a sudden we pull something from this. If he doesn't do it, he's done too much.
1: Well, they'll be arguing about it one way or another. Yeah, we got a whole network built around that. So So with LeBron, you know, I know the league is probably talked behind closed doors about outwardly, what's your replacement plan for him from a brand standpoint. Who are your faces of the NBA? And I know this stuff has happened organically, but man, you guys are off to a great start. I mean, because there are a ton of great young players. Some of them he lost to yesterday in Booker and Aiton. You get Jaw and Brooks, and you've got Luka, and you've got, you know, the list goes on. It feels like the sum of the parts might be able to pretty seamlessly replace a LeBron over the next five. So There's no replacing LeBron. But the game is still going to be exciting. There are young, good
0: players, and there are a ton of them, it feels like. And there are. And the playoffs end up now kind of bringing some of those guys to the forefront. We talked about them, Trey Young, Devin Booker. There's a different credibility now when you've kind of given some signature moments. John Morant, like I don't know how far they're going to advance. I don't know that they're going to beat the Jazz, but playing that one play-in game. Exactly. And then last night, all of a sudden, now you've got a team in Memphis, and you've got a star in Memphis who – you know, by the way, it was in the play-in last year yeah. in the bubble and was rookie of the year. It helps with those guys, but five nickels will ne- never equal a quarter. I remember that we always did yeah. <laughs> right. Five nickels don't equal a quarter, yeah. and I don't mean those guys aren't nickels. I don't mean oh, it yeah, that way. Yeah. But but there's one LeBron and there was one Jordan, and you just said it. You can't force or manufacture who or tell people who that next player is. He's going to do it or yeah. he isn't, and he's going to he's going to emerge he's going you, you can't sell people on somebody that person is going to define it and that player i don't know if that player's in the league right now maybe maybe it's maybe it's zion mm-hmm. maybe it's um maybe it's luka doncic you know all perennial all-stars and and future mvps and you know obviously we're not talking about the two time mvp giannis antetokounmpo yeah you know, Joel Embiid. There are lots of great stars. Nikola Jokic is going to be the MVP, but but when you talk about driving the level of interest, and if it's TV ratings, if it's the guy who wherever he wherever he's playing tonight, and whatever city it is, people are buying tickets to watch that guy. I mean, there's really two in the league. There's LeBron James and there's Steph Curry. Uh, I, I guess LeBron's closer to the end than Steph, but yeah. I wouldn't I wouldn't hold anybody to that right i mean lebron may play until he may he may be the nba's brady and just keep going his game is not just built off of you know athletics athleticism explosion it's his skill it's his passing he can play i i think as long as he's healthy he'll be he'll play he could play like draymond green plays into his 40s which is the passing the, the leadership all the things that LeBron would bring to a team, he he could keep going. But at some point, you are not you are not going to be the best player in the league anymore. You're not going to be first or second, maybe even the third team all NBA. And then it'll be a question of how long he wants. To do that, right? That. Where somebody
1: else might want to play thirty years because, but for him, it's like I don't want to. I don't want to regress the yeah. mean. Does he so want to much. be that guy
0: in the end? Yeah, and
1: you will see a different, like LeBron game, which is almost like an interesting bonus. How does he mold his game into his forties if he does the Brady thing? The young dudes, the markets they're in are intriguing to me because you've got two stars I mentioned in Phoenix. You have two stars I mentioned in Memphis. You have a guy we mentioned in Zion who's supposed to be possibly the next heir apparent, and he's in New Orleans. So kind of a two-part question here, but part one with those two guys, the Phoenix or the Memphis uh, dudes, is the NBA looking at that as a positive because they're kind of these medium-sized markets, squeaky wheel gets you know, the attention or whatever, or do they look at it like, man, we're leaving a lot of money on the table, and then what the hell happens with Zion
0: when he's up in two years? Yeah, they're, they're good questions because I think there's a feeling in the small markets that the league wants their really good players in the big markets. Mm. And I think there's a feeling at the league level of this is a team. This is a league of 30 teams and we need a league that's viable in lots of markets. And what the league doesn't want is hope. You can't in places like New Orleans, where you lost Anthony Davis or you lost Chris Paul Memphis, where they, you know, have a great young player in John Morant, Minnesota, whomever it is, you'd say, Hey, these are smaller, less glamorous markets. That you can't have those places losing hope. Mm -hmm. Oklahoma City, and so San Antonio. Those places where there's a greater premium on you. Got to draft well. You got to run a good organization. You've got to make a lot of good personnel decisions because your ability to keep that player is not going to just be yes. I can offer more money in a contract by him staying than going somewhere else. But I'm selling him on winning. We're winning here. This works. And I'm going to stay here. And and so your margin for error is a lot less than in L.A. or New York, where if you're just running a competent organization, you're able to go get big free agents. Um, and I think that's the challenge for the league. And but you mentioned Zion or, or any of those other young players who are going to come up on their contracts. It is going to be a fight against the big market teams yeah. to keep your guy. No matter who you are, um, you're going to have to fight that fight to keep your guy from wanting to say, hey, I want to go to New York, L.A., Miami, which has been a big market team because of Pat Riley and Eric Spolstra. They've been able to go out and get big free agents through the years. Um, Does that all continue when Pat Riley leaves someday? I don't know, but it it is. And the the league thought, we're putting the Supermax deal in, the Supermax contract that allows you to get you know, over thirty percent of your team's salary cap number in, in that supermax contract. If you make All NBA twice or MVP or whatever, and that hasn't shown itself to be a great, it hasn't necessarily kept people where they are. Right. And players also know I can sign the supermax. I can get that contract. Then I can ask out a couple of three years into the deal and ask for a trade. And if you look through the history, or at least this modern history of the NBA. If you're a star player who wants out and who has made it clear you want out, typically you get out almost in every case, you get out of where you are. You can make it difficult enough that they're going to just move on for you almost no matter how much time you have left on your contract. And so I've heard actually this term used sometimes, which is take the money now, fix the destination later. Mm. And so you take that super deal, but your team doesn't get to relax or take a deep breath and go, okay, we got them under contract. Thank God. Now the pressure's on until you ask for a trade. And so I do think that dynamic has changed dramatically in the NBA. I think we'll see more of that as we go forward, too.
1: Player movement, coach movement. I'm looking at Brad Stevens on the coach side of things. And, you know, we talked about I'm I'm a asshole now. (laughs) You know, I'm a grown-up. I I want to coach in the NBA, that sort of thing. A, do you buy that? And then B, with Kawhi on the player side, because that's the one guy everybody's looking at, right? He's up soon. They're not looking so hot. Uh, At least I don't buy the, the Clippers. Is it better that they lose early or that they win? Because every time he wins, he leaves. Would it be better if
0: Kawhi exits in the first round? And what do you think (laughs) happens with him? No, I do not think it is better if Kawhi (laughs) exits in the first round. Um, The other ones, you could make a case for different circumstances. I would still be surprised regardless of how the Clippers, how it goes here. I I still think they're the better team and they should win this series with Dallas. Now, you you might not want to get down 2-0. And have to go on the road for game three, he'd probably want to avoid that. Mm-hmm. But I think for Kawhi, so much of his focus had been to get back to California and be out west and near his San Diego home. And I mean, you know this, Chris. Listen, winning's important. I mean, the guy's been, I think he's had the I think he has the highest winning percentage of any player in the league in his regular season career. Mm. And so I'm what I'm not saying is that winning's not vital to him. But I also think you get to a point where you've won two championships, you are geographically where you want to be, you're in a team that can pay you more than anybody else can pay you, and trying to jump again to somewhere else, it may not give you a better chance to win. Your your best chance might still be where you are, but more importantly, he's where he wants to be geographically and family-wise, and that the results of a single season might not dictate, I'm going to undo all of this and go somewhere else again i like where i am let's get it figured out here we have the pieces here we've shown we can be a highly successful regular season team i i'm not so sure that not winning or result is going to make kawhi leonard pack up and move somewhere else at this point in his career and you mentioned brad stevens chris nobody voluntarily is going back to college basketball like they have to if you're an nba coach you will go back to college basketball as a as a head coach because you can't get another either another job in the NBA or you know maybe you're a head coach who's in the last year of his deal you know you're going to get fired I don't think there's another yeah. NBA head coaching job for me somebody just offered me 6 or 7 years I'm going to go take that security but nobody if Brad Stevens got fired as a Celtics coach and he's not getting fired as a Celtics coach but but let's say hypothetically he did Brad Stevens would get another NBA head coaching job yeah. he doesn't have to go back to college and so that I think all the guys in college want to come to the NBA and that's been the case for a long time, but I hear it more and more, but there's nobody who with a choice like Mike Woodson went from the Knicks as an assistant to his alma mater to coach IU and Brad Stevens didn't want it. No, Mike Woodson, not in the mix to be a head coach again in the NBA. He's not getting those interviews. He's not in that pipeline right now. And you know, probably making I think maybe in the four or five hundred thousand dollar a year range as an assistant, which is a great living. But three million dollars a year to go back to your alma mater at yeah. IU on six on a six year deal—that's different than. And even though I was told they were willing to pay Brad Stevens ten million dollars a year, now part of that was he's making, I think upwards of maybe seven a year. And if you're going to get someone to leave the Boston Celtics, you're going to have to pay a lot even more. It's the marketplace, yeah. right? but I don't think 10 million or 11 or 12 or whatever somebody could go and do or want to do. I'm not saying Indiana was going that far, the quality of life, the, the idea of being in the NBA versus living in that portal world of college basketball and, and all the things that go into recruiting, getting players, keeping players in a sport that is in great flux about even its relevance relevancy. Yeah. So, yeah, Brad Stevens will be in Boston, and, and I can't imagine he ever coaches in another league except the NBA.
1: Same vein here, and I think we're safe, but Tony Bennett, as you, you're familiar with Tony Bennett, uh, one yes. of the best college coach in the game. You know, some people worry he might go to the NBA one day. Could you do us a favor and talk some shit about him, drop a bomb, <laughs> make something up about how he's a bad person, do one of your bombs, and then he stays in Charlottesville forever?
0: I, I'll tell you what, Chris. There's been... I, I I've talked to a number of NBA teams when they've had uh, openings and who have sort of felt around him and it was a, out. it was a, no, it was a not even going to have a okay, conversation man. with you. Like, <laughs> I'm, yeah. So like that interest has been there yeah. and it hasn't been, you talk about a guy who's loyal to where he is and seems to love what he's doing there and understands the fit. I think Jay writes in that same, same situation. Jay Wright's had a lot of interest in the NBA, yeah. and I think Jay came, at, there was a point where Jay thought really about doing it maybe and decided to stay there because I think the one thing about being an NBA head coach, and Brad Stevens has a great situation with a very stable organization in Boston. He's got two all-star level players. He's got Danny Ainge as a GM who who's uh, certainly established in that job, won a championship. In most cases, you don't have a great deal of control. Right of your environment as an NBA head coach. Like I I remember telling a a big time college coach who was thinking about doing it. I said, listen, it's the coaching is different. Certainly the the game is far different than college basketball. But understand this on the list of where you fall as a head coach, this particular guy might with the organization he was going to. I'd say, okay, the owner's ahead of you. The team president's ahead of you. He's got more say. The GM has more say than you. Your best player has more say than you. Um, your second and third best players probably do, and the agents of the first the and agents, yeah player player—they <laughs> have are just more say. Walking than you. in the building, telling you. So what you're to do. like tenth, <laughs> maybe or eleventh. Now, like in college, you—if you don't like your roster, you can get a new one next year. And so again, there's a lot of factors in it. And so the guys who are the Tony Bennetts and the Jay Wrights, who just have—they control the culture at Virginia and what the culture at at Villanova is going to be. They decide what it's going to be. They really get to control that environment largely. And there's something to be said for that. They have autonomy on their world. And the one thing you're going to lose when you go to the NBA is autonomy. And that's why I always think like the guys who made the jump from college to the NBA guys, Billy Donovan, Brad Stevens, what those guys were great at was understanding it was where their egos were. Not guys with big egos who didn't have to be, who never were even comfortable in college with it being all about them. So many of the big time college coaches, whether it was a Rick Pitino or a John Calipari, they saw themselves as the star. They were the star. They were the, the guy with their programs. And they get to the NBA, and I don't care how bad your team is, you are not the star in the NBA. And I think for head coaches, the ones who come in and think that they're going to be stars there, it doesn't work because the players won't accept that. And I think Donovan, again, Brad Stevens. And and that's why I think if a Tony Bennett or a Jay Wright did go to the NBA, I mean, probably they would not. have that going for them because of their dispositions, who they are, because that style and that personality is going to work a lot better than some of like the, the megastar college coaches who made the jump. And essentially just alienated everybody and got shipped back to college.
1: And I don't think you can bring the packline line defense to the NBA. You got a quick question for me. Do you him?
2: have a username yeah. and a password for ESPN Insider? Question, yeah. Or does the
0: website recognize and respect your aura? So I'm not very good at like remembering what my password is or <laughs> what my username is. That makes a lot plus, of people feel better. So I I lose it and then I buy one and then I get some email <laughs> buy from ESPN. One. He saying, buys his own password. No, I do. And I, at ESPN, they give you one for free, but then I forget which is the one for free, which is the one I'm paying for. Yeah. So I know, I see it on my credit card every month, four ninety five, <laughs> and I'm like, one of these times I'm going to go, like, wh- I don't know. So yes, I pay for it, and yes, I get a free one, and I still can't log in because I'm not still organized on keeping, I mean, whatever. You're just like
1: us, it. which makes us feel better. You're only yeah. a lot smarter, but like... uh All right. So the bomb thing, if we ever have you back, I want to, I want to hear all about like the, the, what goes into a Woj bomb. I want to know if you tell anybody your bombs, if you have to keep them totally secret, do you tell your wife? You're the news breaking guy in the NBA. Okay. I mean, you, you gotta be, you could be a casual basketball fan and know that there's news breakers in every sport. Do you guys compare notes?
0: Do you follow each other? Adam and I talk a lot. We've been good friends and I love listening to how he works and you know, we talked about the Aaron Rodgers story when it was happening and 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 when he reported and after. And, and and so I'd love to learn about his process and how he does things. And we can compare notes on different challenges. So y'all do that? We're having, oh, we do it a lot. We do it a lot. Jeff Passon and baseball, Jeff yeah. and I worked together forever at Yahoo. And so Jeff and I were together there for years. And so we, we knew each other well before we were both now at ESPN. And uh, we, I love talking with those guys. Like I love being around, we haven't been in Bristol much lately, but like Chris Mortensen, I used I get such a kick out of yeah when Chris is in town of like, I always bother him. I think like when NFL free agency would be going on, it was a little slow for the NBA. I would follow Mort and Schefter, like just hang around them and yeah. I'd watch and listen and seeing how they're doing it. But I love, um, I, I love, I don't see more or talk to him quite as much as I do yeah. Adam. Um, but, but being around those guys is awesome. They're the best of the best.
1: Woj, thank you so much for coming on, man. You've been so generous with your time. I know it's a busy time of year. And if there's ever like a small bomb you want to drop, like Joe Harris going somewhere, hey, we got a nice destination for you. Come drop it. So open invite anytime, like small bomb, the one that you're not concerned with.
0: Hey, Joe Harris. Joe Harris is what, 17 and a half million dollars a year? That's not small anything. I know, he's going to be, he,
1: yeah, he used to be like U- a kid, U- now greatest. he's richer than us. Hey, Ty yeah. Jerome. Ty Jerome. He's Look, the out. Jerome. Yeah, look out for okay. Ty Jerome. That okay. would be the
0: one. Well, right, I'll, thanks I'll, so I'll much for your time, ma'am thanks, Chris. Making appreciate you guys.
1: So that was awesome. He was awesome. So he's coming back.
2: Now you gotta tell me. Yeah. Has the question we're about to talk about, has it been scrubbed? Did the people hear it or not?
1: Oh, we're gonna scrub the one question. Okay. Okay and I'm gonna even put a question in place of the question. It wasn't like a big disaster, but every now and again, rarely you'll ask somebody that you're interviewing something that through some research or you know through hearing from somebody else, like you should ask this. Now, like when I threw Reed and the guys under the bus for 2X or Jeff Garland, the Jeff Garland REO Speedwagon question, which was not a disaster, we asked Jeff Garland, hey, tell us about your friendship with the the lead singer in REO Speedwagon. That came through research that I did not do. But I don't blame the production team because they're literally reading sourced articles that have asked the same thing. Today, and by the way, the Jeff Garland uh interview was a lot of fun.
2: Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's
1: not like he 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 was mad about the REO thing. He had it was, he got a kick out of it that people thought that him and I forget the guy, Cronin, Kevin Cronin's the guy's name. Are good friends. He's like, no, we we don't know each other that well. Uh, It's
2: written on the R.E.O. Speedwagon website, (laughs) like by Kevin Cronin. (laughs) So Kevin comes out with Jeff Carlin.
1: Well, so that so there you go. That's what I'm saying. Like, Reed and the production team are absolved there. Like, I would have written it too. And I've run in this this situation before when you interview people, which you're nervous enough to do anyways. There's a thin line between research and like being like a little bit greedy and being like. That story that I found on line 87 of Wikipedia is probably great because Wikipedia, you can put anything you want in there. So you have to be careful.
2: Tell us about your brother, Jake.
1: I made a mistake today with Woj uh, where I said, do you want to recount this? Because it's, it's kind of confusing to people. It's going to be confusing to people.
2: Well, the issue is very simple. Well, it's not that simple. There are two people. There's Alex Rodriguez. And there's Aaron Rodgers. And Alex Rodriguez goes by the nickname A-Rod. Now, the only other person in the world who wants to call Aaron Rodgers A-Rod is you. Don't give a freak. And so when it comes up in our show notes, hey, ask him about A-Rod. A-Rod owning a team,
1: firing it, a tweet off. All I saw was that there was a leak in my you know, 100-mile-per-hour uh, brain. I saw asking about the NBA... Right, wanted him to break something about A-Rod purchasing the team, the Timberwolves. So I read A-Rod, which by the way, I I will die on this hill. There's only one A-Rod and he wears number 12. Okay, and this is from Baseball Knowing King. Alex Rodriguez is not the second best hitter of all time. He cannot, you cannot argue that. Maybe you can, and I don't know enough baseball. But there is a legitimate argument to be made that Aaron Rodgers... Is the second best quarterback of all time. I don't if think you, look- you
2: can usurp a nickname. If there's a better Joe who plays in New York City, Joe Namath is always going to be Broadway Joe. Oh, yeah? Yeah.
1: Why do you keep referring to Devonte Smith as Slim Reaper? I don't. You, oh, you, do. you don't. Nah. Oh, I don't. you haven't.
2: When Joe if Judge we ran the
1: tape back, you didn't even entertain it.
2: Nah. When Joe Judge wins seven Super Bowls, he doesn't become Broadway Joe. That's always going to be name it.
1: Oh, that's interesting. So, so A Rod
2: so, is always Rodriguez. Aaron Rodgers, I think, is just it's he's Rodgers from the. From you're telling the me there's no repeat checks.
1: nicknames in
2: sports. I'm saying there shouldn't be, Okay, Well, and this saying,
1: is not one of them. And I agree with you. Aaron Rodgers is A-Rod. <laughs> the other guy who I respect greatly as a baseball player, to me, is not Aaron Rodgers.
2: You should do a, uh, or I should, you know, a little engagement. We should do a poll. Who is A-Rod, people? Alex Rodriguez, I mean, most Aaron
1: Rodgers. Yeah, well, po- you know, polls are only so good, we elected Donald Trump. <laughs> You know, we will poll people just to see how in the minority I am. Is, is there anybody else? I guarantee you there's somebody else who calls Aaron Rodgers A-Rod. Okay. I just, I refuse. Anyways, we're in the interview and because I think we're talking about Aaron Rodgers and I'm like, how interesting is this? There's like a crossover situation where he had scoop on Aaron Rodgers. I'm like, tell me a little bit about, uh, you know, this Aaron Rodgers scoop uh, that you, you recently had and the NBA didn't win, just tell me about it.
2: <laughs> and he's just sitting there,
1: like, mm, I've never heard that before. <laughs> nah. And so he scrubbed the question, and I inserted a question, and you just heard it. And see how real that sounded? Entertaining answer, too. Shout out to the production team. Entertaining answer from him. Yeah. Yeah. So just so you know, we're copping to a majorly idiotic moment on my part. And we texted Woj, and he was LMAO. Right. And he can't wait to be back. And he goes, oh, I thought you meant Aaron Rodgers. I really wish I'd answered the question.
2: About Alex Rodriguez owning the T-Wolves. And I did not
1: correct him. I was just like, yeah, well, water under the bridge. Uh, we all make mistakes, Woj. Yeah, and, and and I was wrong because I was partially wrong. I was wrong, period, because I said I'm firing the producers, which is going to be a bit now. But the producers weren't wrong. They just didn't accommodate my, my. Uh, they just speak my language. When you're on the set of this podcast, you speak my language. <laughs> Okay? A-Rod. Okay. We're gonna put it on the quote board. I'm a moron. Uniforms, people like the uh, little hockey breeze through we did with the Stanley Cup playoffs and uh, the hockey bracket. I know that people liked it because I liked it is I think what I'm projecting.
2: (laughs) And you of course can tell us the champ. The champ was? Cocaine white leaves
1: with a V. So, if we're doing the same thing with the NBA and the playoffs, the problem is, we alluded to with Woj, these guys have got so many uniforms, they don't know what to do with
2: them. I sent you a link, like, hey, here's everybody's uniforms. It would take you six days to get through everybody. These teams have... uh, Five each, pretty much. A city uni, an earned uni, an icon (laughs) uni, a statement uni, Mm -hmm. and then a... A uni uni. It's
1: stupid, we're gonna go through, we're gonna fill this thing out, we are going to pick a champion, and we're gonna pick it on the basis of our favorite uniform that that team has. So Utah Jazz, a little a little uh, preview here, L- largely cheeks probably, but they have one that might be a winner, and so Memphis, you know, is it the sum of the parts, or is it the best uni out of the, the whole litter? I'm going with the best uni out of the whole litter advances.
2: Okay. And that's where it becomes tough because I, I, I don't know that I can keep 200 uniforms in my head, but you're right. Jazz, largely cheeks, but they have one of those tequila sunrise deals, which, which does it for me. I
1: want to say something about the Jazz too. The Jazz, and I, I went through this Inside Hook article that had all the uniforms that people could have donned this year uh, ranked. Uh, and that had a lot of good information, but the Jazz, I didn't see on there, they, they do not wear the Stockton Malone, like Rocky Peaks, uh, purple and blue uniform anymore. Correct. That would be the right uniform. That would, it's right there. It's literally right there. So in the 1-8 in the West, the Jazz, just out of resentment and disappointment to me, get the boot, and I'm going with Memphis, because Memphis, The Grizzlies, they have some of the most electric possibilities in the whole league. It would be aggressive to go back to the big-ass grizzly bear on the thigh with the basketball. It would be aggressive. Kind of awesome. But I would be all for it. I've seen John Moran on Google.com wearing that uniform, and it looks sick. So I don't know what they're doing, but same to the Jazz. And for that, you lose in the first round in my bracket to the Memphis Grizzlies.
2: I'm not putting up a fight. I'm with you. Though I like what they're doing with that whatever we're calling it, gradient that Utah seems to pick different colors for every year. Like, can we find a middle ground between your team having six to eight different colors and yet not being the NFL where you can only wear one helmet and that's it? Uh, you should be able to turn on the tube and know what two teams you're oh, watching. Oh, I thought
1: the Pacers were in the 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 playoffs the other day with the Heat. Golly, We day. have so many good options.
2: So I'm with you. The, the Grizz, it's hard to come in... And and be uh, a new expansion franchise and do it right. I think their modern day Grizzly is fine. I think those Blues look pretty good. But yeah, you're right. They uh, they have the Vancouver stuff to fall back on, and 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 they're through.
1: We got the Clippers and the Mavericks and just a
2: hideous, awful.
1: I mean, a hideous four or five matchup. I would. I'm gonna say this: the Clippers have the worst uniforms in basketball. Yes. And if they keep wearing that GTA font bullshit any longer, yes. you've shown me that you can wear any kind of uniform you want at a moment's notice. So somebody likes this shitty ass uniform. And I think it's gotta be Steve Barmer. It's gotta be. Cause this thing is cheeks. It's cheeks. I love the logo. The red LA inside the um, the blue C that they wear sometimes, but the uniform is so basic, they just put it on there like, like they're putting a fucking patch on a hat, and they didn't do anything else with it. It's a Jordan brand uniform. That's their best look. Plenty of good uniforms in, in Clippers history.
2: I don't know what Dallas is doing. The rebrand was needed a decade ago, but because they have this green number in their arsenal, which reminds me of, I don't know, Jason Kidd, Jimmy Jackson sort of stuff,
1: uh, they're through for me. That is elite. And they're going through on the strength of that. Denver, Portland, three, six, Mafia. Shout out to Memphis. Now this is a matchup. Yeah, this is a good matchup. Yeah, it's a good matchup.
2: Nuggets might be the best logo in, in sports for me. Frankly, Trailblazer's not far behind. When I close my eyes, I see my head pictures, it's Clyde the Glide, and it hasn't changed much. And so i just like the blazers i like the look i
1: like the blazers too as you know as you know they are my western conference side team (laughs) um and i love dame lillard and i think denver While i appreciate the the eddie bauer looking logo that they have like something (laughs) that you put on a uh you know like an outdoor company shirt Mm -hmm. like that's kind of what you fell for here it's a rip-off of the Buffalo Sabres, mm. not to be confused with the Nashville Sabres. The Nashville Predators who have a saber-toothed tiger as their logo. One of our listeners hit me up and said, Hey, my dad used to work on that stadium there. They found a saber-toothed tiger bone. Or it was a tooth. <laughs> That's how they knew it was a saber-toothed tiger. They found a tooth under the stadium. So there was a real reason. I take my uh, my ill advised comments back. Um, Denver to me, not impressive enough to advance past Portland. I love those uniforms and all those years of appreciating them, having various Rasheed Wallace jerseys and shirts.
2: I've noticed you stopped wearing that shirt after you wore it for every show for about a year and a well, half. Well, one time I caught myself
1: in it and it's It's nice. I look pretty fucking skinny in it. It's huh. like, it's a weird fit. So I'm going to wait until I get a little more Jack to throw it on again. Here's what I'll tell you. I never knew there was a gray stripe. Oh yeah. Yeah. You knew that, that all along.
2: Uh, now that you say it, I right? think I know Right, it's very it.
1: subconscious. I don't think yeah. you knew it.
2: Yeah, I, I don't, don't think, think
1: I did either. Yeah, thank you for coming yeah. clean on that. You're welcome. And you're all welcome, because I'm pretty sure none of you then, if we didn't notice the gray stripe, I mean, it disappears. It's a sign of a great uniform. It's not, it's not in your face. Trailblazers fucking logo is incredible. What, what is that?
2: It's interlocking lines. Interlocking probably the wrong... Wrong word. I've read about it before on several occasions. I just can't commit anything to memory.
1: I think those are 69ing lines. Two and seven, Phoenix and LA. Man, the Lakers have some of the best uniforms in basketball, as much as I hate them. Uh, I would put them through personally, just on the strength of, if we're picking their favorites, and I had to look. The regular, the city, and the classic. The regular's pretty elite, although I don't love that L uh, logo they have with the basketball, I think, that they don most nights. Um, The colors are elite. The City and the Classic are my two favorites. City and Classic are the variations of the Ice Blue, Carolina Blue. I think that that Classic, I think, which is the dark blue with the Carolina Blue, like kind of baby blue uh, number shadow is probably my favorite they have. And then you have the white version of that, which is white, gray, and baby blue. The, The Lakers, easy, they cruise.
2: So I hate what you love. Really? Yeah, and I'm, I'm all for the baby blue. I like, hey, my Toronto Blue Jays don it all the time. I think you, you put yeah, that on a baseball yeah, uni, yeah, yeah. you win. Um, I don't like it just because Lakers are classic purple and gold. What, what, what are we doing? Um, however, I think because it's such an iconic uni, and I'm talking about the classic, it goes through because the Suns are some clip art bull crap these days. Yeah. Sun, basketball, Lines.
1: I have the Suns uh, in my notes, I have kind of trash, kind of cheeks. Um, v cheeks. Suns throwbacks aren't even as good as I thought they were. Like, go back and That's look That's a at, good point. Yeah, like, the jerseys were amazing, but if you look back at the, the shorts, they had like this little weak ass left thigh Phoenix uh, thing. They had to get rectified and they never did. But the jersey is elite. Now if you go back to that jersey, oh, yeah. which can't be found in their ensemble
2: but bro what i like even better is you go back one more oh that kevin johnson with oh. the uh cool ass font so it's a mostly
1: purple uni we can't put that through because no. not in the it's not in the uh the ensemble Arse- yeah. the uh, the arsenal yeah. but that might that that might have a shot
2: that's a great uni how do we describe those letters they're old old west letters old west i love
1: letters. old nice. west listen not enough teams are doing old west letters the the Wyoming Cowboys, mm-hmm. elite elite letters on those unis. Go check them out. Old West. I don't care where you are. Throw some old West shit on there. That's what the Suns should do.
2: Dog dog once more on the
1: white. Yeah yeah Phenomenal. yeah. Phenomenal. Oh, it's beautiful. I'm gonna go get me a Kevin Johnson throwback. I don't even wear throwbacks anymore. Hey, you want to go to the East? Yes. Now you want to fill out the West? Yes. All right. So what do we have up top? We have Memphis, Dallas.
2: That's right.
1: So Memphis gets close for me. They flirt with the Mike Bibbies. They give me the, the, you know, I think it's a great effort with their older stuff. And their their city uniforms are great. But again, this is not a sum of the parts. This is your best uni. And I think Dallas uh, comes out with the win here.
2: I just, yeah, I, I wish they would wear this every night.
1: I wish Memphis would figure it out and, and just settle into the Mike Bibbies. Now I'm gonna take the Lakers and I'm gonna put them through on the other side of things.
2: Okay, I'm gonna take the Portland Trailblazers and I would have, Ooh. and I would, so we're gonna need Cowboy Reed to bring. the I got the Trailblazers
1: actually, I forgot it was the
2: Blazers. Okay. I, can't, I gotta put my side team through. So Blazers are in the West final against, I guess the Green Mavs. Yeah, you know? in my opinion. I'm going Blazers to win the West.
1: I'll probably go Blazers to win the West and the strength of tie goes to the Blazers like primary over like the fourth option for the Lakers. Like, you're not wearing that enough. You know, I, I love the classic, but yeah, Just, give, me, give me the Blazers. You can't beat it. Rip hell City. Oh yeah. yeah. gray stripe. Okay. East. Bunch of hipsters. Phila. Uh, Wiz. Ah, uh, the Wizards have no shot in this tournament. I mean, some of the, the worst cheeks...
2: Their intent, I feel, was good. Yeah. Some Wes Unselled inspiration. What's well, a
1: star? It's a star fucking festival. Okay. I mean, but Glass Houses, careful, Philly. That's what I'm saying. That okay. These two teams playing each other is just a bunch of stars, and one team is running circles around the other when it comes to applying this, this theme.
2: I could not agree more.
1: So the Sixers are through. Um, the only thing I have on the Sixers were regular unis are elite, icons are even better. Ditch the basketball logo on the thigh and stick with the seven and the six with the circle of original states. Um, You know, little logo.
2: Probably colonies at that point.
1: Colonies, yeah. yeah, yeah, um, Original colonies. Yeah, I mean, when I talk, it's for people that are good at just picking things up. Not for like robots and historical. Although, mm, nah, Philly goes through.
2: Philly goes through. Again, I think D.C., the, the idea is right, the I'd rather wa- is yeah, not.
1: I'd rather watch the Michael Jordans on the court than kind of what they have going on.
2: Biggest blood in the first round, you say? Knicks Hawks?
1: Uh, Knicks Hawks is, actually the Hawks at first glance, I think the Hawks, you know how you, you would call a guy or a girl a nine iron? No, I do not. Uh, good from 100 and however many yards you hit a nine iron from, oh, and then when you get close, you're like, ah, not so good looking. That's
2: pretty rude, huh? That's pretty okay.
1: rude, that's why I included guys. Okay. Okay. Because I don't want to be like that's the only way you talk about girls. I've heard a girl call a guy a nine iron before. Okay, cool. All off. The Hawks are the opposite of a nine iron. Their uniforms actually look pretty good up close. The ones they wore yesterday, my, I don't love the stripes on the side, but the font's pretty good, and they actually make do with what they with what they got there.
2: But what they have potentially are the Dominique Wilkins. Just go there. Yes. To me, that's.
1: Again, I, I, young people, I don't understand. Mm. I don't understand the the Knicks. The Knicks get the win, and the Knicks get the win. The only complaint I have is give me a little bit more of an arch. What you know, like a little more of a, a you know rounded uh, New York. Okay. It's a little flat for me, but I, Knicks never change. Terrific, terrific Knicks. Yeah, they they do blow the Hawks out. By the way, the Hawks logo. I again to remind people, I did not know that, that old pac-man looking hawks logo was a hawk hawk head till 2018 bucks heat bucks heat i'm really sorry but the bucks have some cheeks 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 uniforms that's right that's right big cheeks yeah they're they're gross and all you have to do is go back and, and another thing confusingly they have like um they have the the cool old reindeer like with the ball Reindeer. The retro little reindeer. Isn't he just a deer? Yeah, he could be a deer. He could be a reindeer. That's the way I think of it because of the red and green. He's got a green sweater on. It looks like it's Christmas. Go back to those like 80s uniforms with the green, light green, green, light green, squared stripe. Yeah. Give me...
2: Todd give me, Day. The Todd Days.
1: Give me that shit. Give me the Frank Borkowskis. That's right they're gonna lose. Who are they playing? It doesn't matter who they're playing.
2: The Heat, who are The Heat, solid, who are doing too have,
1: much. and They are. But the, but the little Heat logo with the flame on top of the T. Solid. Can't beat it. Nets Celtics. Nets, Celtics. Nets, Celtics, when the Nets wear, and I think the Nets have done really well overall. Like, I even like their city thing. I know people made fun of it with the Friends logo, or the Friends font, the Journeys font. That's a store, Journey, singular. I don't, you shop there a lot, you don't seem like a guy shops no. a Journey. They did pretty good overall. The strength of their their whole operation is the baby blue nets.
2: The draws and Petrovichs.
1: And their court looks great with it too. Mhm. I mean, just stick with that.
2: Well, in the simple black and white. I dig. And this gr- this gray guy which that BKLYN looks yeah, like Yeah, it's, it's kind of cool. Graffiti. Yeah, it's kind of cool.
1: That's that's good. Yeah, it's, a good, it's good. They got a good little set of uniforms there. The
2: only one I don't like is the is the friends one.
1: The only one I don't like is that shitty-ass logo.
2: Then they have a Subway one. I love the
1: Subway one. Yeah. I love the Subway one. It's fun. I might put them through on the strength of the Subway one and the baby blue one. The regular logo they have going on is cheeks. It's, again, like, it's like an established, you pick a random year and put it on an Eddie Bauer shirt. It's like too much going on.
2: It's the nuts for me. What I will say about the Celtics, and you might disagree, the uniform where they're trying to mimic a banner... I think is cool.
1: I think it's kind of fire. We've talked about this before. We have, okay. We do. I just can't put the Celtics through.
2: No, I'm, I'm with you. I just think you you you've turned a banner into a uni. Yep. I mean, Bangarang, that's what their yeah, banners it looks pretty literally good.
1: look like. It looks like, you know, modernizing history. You know, like th- they did a pretty nice job with it. They kept it simple. It looks European to me. It looks kind of like like the new wave of...
2: Hey, you're American when you go into the bathroom. You're American when you come out of the bathroom. What are you when you're in the bathroom?
1: Oh, you're American, but European. European. Yeah.
2: So you got the joke
1: like midway through? Well, no, I got it as you were telling it. Hmm. Knock, knock. Who's there? Interrupting cow. Interrupting. Interrupting cow. Uh, I got the cow. (laughs) <laughs> got the Brooklyn Cows going.
2: <laughs> okay, Brooklyn Cows are through. Okay, top of it, we got Sixers Knicks.
1: I'm sorry, I got the Knicks, unapologetically.
2: Okay, uh, are we going to bring up that weird black one with the circle around the number? Aren't we going on the best of the the best uniform? Okay, I just yeah. I thought of bears mentioning.
1: Yeah, well, the, cheeks, yeah. cheeks, yeah, cheeks. Okay, but
2: I'll I'll go next. It's classic. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's classic. Uh, and then we got the. Heat and the Cows. <laughs> I got the Heat. It's Cows for me. Oh, yeah,
1: really? Yeah. Reed might have to break this tie.
2: Reed, Miami Heat, Brooklyn Cows. Go Heat. Heat. Los heat.
1: And the thing about them is they actually look cool when they do the pink and blue thing. And, and yeah, I mean, like, they just have a lot of cool uniforms. The yellow one sucks.
2: I feel like they did it better a couple years ago. But yeah, yeah a couple was, years ago yeah. it was better.
1: But, yep. you know, it really works down there, dude. That's like, you know, Miami. <laughs>
2: Boy do I You
1: know all the parts of Miami. That's what you feel like that uniform captures the vibe. But they're not going to win the whole thing. The Knicks are going to the <laughs> my two favorite teams are in the look, finals. Look at how this worked out. Well, what do you what do you have? Knicks or Heat?
2: Um I mean just yeah. I mean there's there
1: It's it's you got to like uh Miami Vice like GTA Vice City.
2: I'll go next, but I agree with you. There's something not quite right. And I don't I don't know if it's that the the you, you need thicker
1: thicker materials it, and you need a little bit more arcing of the and they said this in the article, which is the the point that they made, is you need a semicircle when it comes to New York. That's beautiful. It is beautiful. You know, the only way that's not going through is if we we get cute.
2: Uh no, I'm with you. Knicks are through to the, to yeah, the final.
1: Yeah, I mean, we're both traditional guys, okay? We both love orange and blue. Orange and blue is one of the best combos in sports. I mean, we're homers, but whether we're talking hockey, orange and blue is sick. Edmonton, mm-hmm. right? I even like the Islanders a little bit. Yeah. Um, you know, whether we're talking baseball, the Mets, they have a beautiful uniform. Football, Broncos, if they ever figure their shit out, But when they did it, right, Bull Durham, Minor League Baseball, Orange and Blue is everywhere. Knicks, the finals. Knicks, Rip City. Side team, main team.
2: Ooh. Now, I know we're just going with best. These these two clubs happen to have a couple of, what's a word we haven't used? Cheeks? Poo cheddar. A little poo poo, cheddar going on. Poo cheddar chips. With uh, Portland's Oregon uniform is awful. And the next city that never sleeps uni is awful. But if we're going on on the best.
1: Yeah, that Oregon uniform is moderately cheeks. I don't mind the 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 font, but it's like what is the color combo? They definitely marketed that one to hippies who don't put deodorant on and shit. Like that's definitely like their color scheme. These hippies up there, they needed one thing that had a fucked up color scheme. It's actually I can't stop fixating on it, it's not that bad, Make look again. The Oregon one? Yeah, it's not that bad. The stripe is cool too, it's, you're wrong, dude. You're wrong. Look at that stripe. Is it wavy? It's mountainous. Okay. It probably like mirrors some mountain range up there, dude. I'm gonna assume that. The only problem is that it's brown. <laughs> And I think,
2: I don't oh, you know, know what's actually pretty scene, cool man. about it?
1: I'm sold. It's got like, um, when you look at a map, which you do a lot. I do. You can tell the uh, different ridge lines, the topography. It could, like, it, you know how you, well, I'm trying to describe this for people who are listening. They're very tight lines. Some get bigger. That means elevation. elevation is bigger. That's what they're doing here on these uniforms. And I didn't catch it until now. I
2: think it's super cool. Having said that, the Knicks win the whole thing. We're going to need a tiebreaker because I love it. the simplicity of this. Portland Trail Blazers Uni reminds me of, of Bulls Blazers, which yeah. they turned into a video game. It wasn't just a series. turned into a video game. And uh, New York, it, you're right. They're just not quite Ewing era enough. They're very close. The logo, uh, low-key outdated. Let me
1: see it one more time. Yeah, but I like the fact they stuck to it, and I love they have the the V and the shorts,
2: you know. With the they didn't stick to it, just for the record, they went away from it for a while, but they're back. Yeah, 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 yeah. The the thing,
1: I like that thing. Now you we know have that thing as well. I know you do, but it's not as cool. So I would say the Knicks pull the shorts off better. The Blazers have the better jersey. I'm gonna go with the Knicks. Okay, I'll go Portland Trail Blazers. Read for the whole tournament and the end of this podcast, just about nicks classic nicks
2: you write the checks i'm i'm just saying it my name was the, the
1: next i write the checks that's right
2: you think he would have agreed with you yeah. <sighs> i let, let me check in on my who is a rod poll on twitter.com may i oh you actually did it i did it
1: yeah but most people are gonna say that obviously a rod is the a rod what okay. i'm doing Whoa, is i'm starting cool. a new thing
2: cool cool i was just checking Looks like 82% say Alex Rodriguez is So 18%,
1: even with no context around it, are just like me, and they're right. Now I know I'm wrong. Feel
2: free to vote in the poll.
1: I'm going to vote in the poll. I'm going to vote so hard on this poll. Hey, this podcast is just about over. We talked about St. Louis earlier, the blues. There's more bad news out of St. Louis. Uh Uh-oh. The other bad piece of St. Louis news is Google McCloskey can do st louis just how you would think it's spelled oh these folks yeah the the guy with the sweater draped over his shoulders uh who like pointed his uh, ak it,
2: uh, it's funny how your brain does that because he did not have a sweater over his shoulders I, maybe his wife did she was wearing a sweater-ish thing but he just had the the pink golf shirt standard pink no polo buttons. wielding
1: a a. An automatic weapon, or I'm sorry, it's, it's not an automatic the, weapon. It's a semi. It's not. Do you know what a semi? He was holding a fucking AR, dude.
2: Tucked into the cream-colored pleated pants, pink polo, Very AR,
1: green. fucking becomes a mascot of of like the Republican Party, <laughs> like a like a a mascot underling. And this is why I just can't respect any of this shit, is because. This guy is going to probably get elected. He's gonna be an elected official because he pointed an AR at protesters. I know exactly where those, those guys live. Those are beautiful houses right there along Forest Park. I mean, those are enormous houses. The everyman political party, the working class political party elected a fucking billionaire reality TV star on the big stage and on the smaller stages, they just want a guy who held an AR before. Don't care if he lived in a mansion. Don't care if he fucking gets tax breaks. Look at him.
2: <laughs> this looks like an Ozark it's couple. An,
1: it's, an Oza- it's, it's right out of central casting for like the unexpected drug running Ozark couple. This is Jason Bateman and his wife in that movie if they weren't both attractive people, right? Like if they were just casting regular motherfuckers, that's these two.
2: And if they did, weren't thinking before they acted.
1: No, no doubt. I mean, like, if the show was totally different, but it's totally almost predictable. It's so wacky, it's predictable at this point.
2: Weird spot for the country and humanity and such. Now, what you need to see (laughs) is the ad.
1: Mm. Take a second to look the ad up. Like, I I totally get it. I'm a gun owner. Like, you break into my house, like, it's going to be an issue. (laughs) But I know the difference between... uh, People passing through my street in the midst of like a protest and somebody trying to destroy my house and kill my family was the quote. He said, he's, they're trying to kill his family. Well, I guess everybody else on the street must've had an AR because I didn't hear about any murders that day. <laughs> Dude, they weren't sacking your village. Okay. They were walking by and they were yelling and they were protesting. And now you're gonna be an elected official. Like they literally flipped this guy, the, the ad, which uh, you know you can find somewhere else, but they took the guy with the pink polo and the khakis pulled up to his belly button and you know, the, just like probably whipping that AR around with no sense of gun safety. The whole nine yards. Just a fucking suburban cowboy. Uh, pot calling the kettle black, but I also am not gonna be wielding an AR in the yard where there's a protest outside.
2: I've walked my dog through your yard without permission, that's called trespassing and you have not. You'd be a tough target. Yeah.
1: Turn sideways, it's like fucking hitting a sheet of paper. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I just, my thing is, he literally, the Republican party was like, hmm, look at these rich people that all these people that voted for Donald Trump supposedly hate. Let's run him for Senate in the state of Missouri and a bunch of poor people will vote for him because they airbrushed him, put him in a Pearl Snap shirt and posed him in front of a fucking tractor, dude. Look at the ad, man. Look at the ad. They flipped him into a farmer, and that's all they're going to have to do. Just show him wearing a Pearl Snap shirt, and they're going to elect this motherfucker. That's how wacky American politics are.
2: He's putting gloves on and hopping on the tractor. That's... Let me
1: tell you something, folks.
2: Turning the tractor on. Rich
1: people sometimes own two properties, okay? I own two properties. I have, like, some acreage and and my house, okay? He may well have a farm down in the Ozarks, okay? But I can tell you, his backyard (laughs) looks just like that side alley you saw. He lives right on Forest Park on the side of a fucking... On the side of a road, and again... (laughs) If you want to jump out of the gym for this cat, that's your business. But I guess they did just elect a reality TV star. And they hate elitists. righty, Fucking throw him an AR. And give him a Pearl Snap shirt. I wonder if they brought him like a rack of clothes from Old Navy. And they were like trying them on like, like it was a shoot. I wonder if he, that he brought his own shirt. I got no problem with defending your house, man, but I'm not sure. I think that might've been a little bit overkill and that's what everybody was trying to tell you, buddy.
2: And we're, we're showing the cross necklace too. We have a button open to show the cross necklace. Buttons are
1: open to show like, I love God. I love my tractor. I have an American flag right over my right shoulder.
2: This is, this is the bingo card. I mean, just you've hit every single box on the bingo card. It's all
1: there, dude.
2: Let me watch a little bit more. What's that say? He's walking. Cancel culture's not good. <laughs> there was something
1: about race. Any talk of race, not good. Second Amendment, good. good. <laughs> Gasoline, good. Good, but the liberals are trying to take it from us.
2: Tractors, good. Tractors,
1: good. I'm cleaning my tractor. Pickups, good, Hey, Oh, oh, look at that, look at that Tundra. He's loading hay into a probably early 2000s model Ford or Tundra, is that a new truck? That's not a new truck, it doesn't look like it. Old truck, old tractor, pearl snap, loves Jesus, American flags, and farmers, and small business owners, and moms and dads, and patriots,
2: and horses. And a temper.
1: These are my horses. (laughs) If you come anywhere near them, I will fucking shoot you with an AR. I will not back down. I will never back down. Who chooses the fonts for these ads, man? There you go. That
2: does look like a Ford to me.
1: We will truly never understand each other as people in this country because the, the idea that this would get somebody to rally behind this candidate is incomprehensible to me. And so we will never understand each other in this country. And I'm not being some divisive dickhead. I'm just laughing. Do you think they could make you into a, like a strong conservative candidate? They could definitely, they would f- try to flip me hard. Here's, they all hate me, right? Anybody who knows who I am, if they're like big Trumpers because I've talked bad about them. Be honest, Like, if somebody made me into like a senator like, and I was in a Senate race, all they had to do was pose me in front of a tractor, I could easily win an election. All I have to do is be a racist. And yeah, all that other stuff we talked about earlier.
2: Yeah, that fell a long run for Senate. See his tattoos? I think there's a swastika in there somewhere. Yeah,
1: somewhere, and he used to play football, which is a very American game. His dad has a flat top. That's all you need. <laughs> what, what about you? How are you gonna run? How would they package you?
2: I don't know, dude. Can I pull off Skinny? I feel like you need some heft to you when you're when you're a conservative, when you're the, the uh, common man. Hmm.
1: No, you're a you're the common man. You're hungry because the elitist know. liberals that haven't sounds, been feeding you.
2: That sounds progressive.
1: No, they haven't been feeding. They're starving
2: you. I think it's a I think it's a tougher a tougher,
1: sell a tougher sell for you to, for to run for. I don't know about that. Some of these motherfuckers that run, like, look at. Uh, I would just need
2: to start talking a little bit different. Look at like
1: Ben Shapiro. I honestly think you could beat him up, okay? And he's like doing, a god to these people.
2: You're right, you're right. That, uh, that, uh, that character
1: in the White House. You would corner the, actually you haven't thought about this like section.
2: And I'm doing 100 pushups of the a day.
1: Yeah, you might, you might uh, peck strength your way out of that weight class and then the next thing you know you're in the one that you're talking mm-hmm. about. So you're mm-hmm. kind of a tweener when it comes to like a plug and play situation
2: and i could add uh, just a little bit of molasses drip to my to the way i speak i'm not buying it well i'm not too good at it right now <laughs> at the moment oh oh hey mike's one of the more progressive people i know my father i just need to talk a little bit like hey mike's Mike's
1: oh, man if they put your
2: dad on a poster are you uh people are are very surprised when they learn my dad's politics hey mike's i heard you're still doing the the youtube show no, we 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 made it a podcast. Uh, what? Oh, when I take my walks, sometimes I have my earphones, and I can't find where to play it. But but Meredith tells me it's on there.
1: Tell him uh, we'll be back Thursday. <laughs>